No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Uh, and tonight, I don't have a, I don't have a clever thing. It's been like a month since I've done the show, um, <laughs> and I don't. This may be my last show for uh, a while until the holidays, because this is the, this is the wrap up to the holiday season extravaganza <laughs> that we've been having since Halloween. Um, coming at you a little bit late, but actually. Greg, you'll appreciate this. I looked, and I think we did do a year in review once in the beginning of February. So we're so <laughs> we we haven't completely uh, we haven't completely sharked our duties too badly uh, this year. But uh, it's time once again uh, for our year in review spectacular look back at the past year, all the big stories, uh, you know, all the big happenings uh, from 2019. And it's, uh, we'll get more into this as we go along, but it's pretty amazing. I looked at the – we've been doing this for 12 years, so I went back and looked at some of these shows, and it's just amazing all the stuff we've covered over the last 12 years. It's like you could just take those shows from an All-American and put them in a little box, and that, that would pretty much catch a lot of people up to speed on what the hell's been going on uh, in the world of paranormal for the last decade, so – uh, they've been a lot of fun, and, and uh, with me as always, as I said, he's, him and I have, uh, you know, we've chronicled the years here for the last 12 years. Greg Bishop, uh, welcome back to BOA. Uh, we're not doing the simulcast because there's some kind of technical issues going on over at Radio Mysterio, so, so, uh, but it'll get out to people. Yeah, it'll get out, and also I'll, uh, when I get the recording, I'll post it. I've just been um, too lazy, overwhelmed, and not really up to speed at the at the moment, except I have to be because we both – should I talk about our, our jobs? If you want, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't care. People know what I do. They know what you do, so, yeah, it's not like so big. Secret. Yeah, yeah. so we both work on Coast to Coast, and I have to find news stories, and Tim actually has to write them. Um, I actually had to write one today, Tim. I wrote one on those feral cats eating human cadavers at the – <laughs> at the one of those body farms, so that should be going up at coast like right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so people can look for that. Yeah, yeah, I have to uh, spend my days uh, surfing the news. Now, before we, we get started, I just want to, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to make things awkward, but, you know, I want to express my condolences, man, on the passing of Cigarette. Uh, I know I speak for the Banal of America listeners, the Radio Mysterioso listeners. Our, heart is, our hearts are with you, man. Uh, we love you, and 
and we're just so sorry for your loss. Well, thanks, Tim. Uh, if people don't know, Sigrid was my wife. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like, in a sense, it, it's weird. I, I don't know if you feel this way about your show, but it's like I, I feel like the people that are listening now, they've stuck with it. They're like family. So it's like I, I tend yeah. not to catch people up on things when I do the show because it's like they, they should know this by now that they've been listening this long. It's, so anyone who's yeah, the well, first-time listener. Maybe, yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah, not no. everybody. So, yeah. Um, so, yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, so I just – Kind of wanted to say that, that and make sure. Uh, part of the reason why I haven't know. really been doing any prep this time and has been doing outside. I will not go into detail, but uh, it's it's been a lot. So anyway, absolutely, I'm sure people understand. Um, so yeah, so 2019, uh, it's over. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I, I, it was an interesting year. It was. Uh, I don't know. I, I felt like. It's hard. To, it's kind of hard now to put some perspective on it because it's been like three weeks since the year ended. But um, you know, UFO is still super huge. But it seemed like a lot of other stuff kind of got some love this year that normally, um, you know, normally doesn't get as much love as you think. So yeah, I think Art Bell was 20 years early with his quickening prediction. I think it's happening now. <laughs> At least with the paranormal. Yeah, it seems that way. It's really winding up. It's really, I've been doing a talk about uh, how the paranormal is like sub- supposedly a legitimate subject for uh, for scientific academic research now, and in a way, it hasn't been ever. I think. I mean, there's a lot less people scared to talk about it. I think it's mostly because uh, that structure of scientific revolutions thing by Thomas Kuhn, among the other things that happened, is the old guard dies away. So. I think that's part of the reason, but there's other reasons too. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually like moments ago. I ran to the store to get cigarettes uh, before we did the show and was thinking about kind of, you know, this for years I was saying on Phenol of America, it was like, well, it's a gen, this disclosure thing may be a generational thing. And as younger people come along and it's like, well, shit, I'm 40 now. So like people like my age and a little bit older, they're in like pretty prominent powerful positions and shit so it's like you know it's clearly there is some kind of generational shift happening what will what it will bring who knows but yeah we shall see you know it's like that okay boomer thing that kind of it's like yeah. <laughs> that, that, that kind of crystallized it what i thought was interesting uh i've been like dying to talk about this in a sense is the i noticed like at the end of the year Talk about feeling old. At the end of the year, I, I noticed that, like, there seemed to be this weird, like, uh, optimism that I <laughs> – from young people more so, or just people online, um, that I hadn't really seen in a while. And it was like, why are these fucking people so optimistic about everything, you know? They're, and it was like – they were just all about, like, this new decade and how it's a new decade. And it was like – it kind of dawned on me in a sense where it was like, oh – they weren't around for the 2000 change. So it's like, I felt like people were kind of tapping into that, whatever that feeling was when the year turned 2000 for 2020, because it has that kind of same futuristic vibe to it. It was, I got deja vu or something. So to yeah, me, it was like, if you weren't around for the 20. Right. It was like, if you weren't around for the 2000 of, uh, change. Paranoia. Go ahead. Sorry. 
no, no, no. It's yeah. Well, that was yeah. That was the that was the thing. That was like like I was saying. If you if you run around for the when it turned to two thousand, it was wild. It was <laughs> it was just like too. It was so mind bending. I I have it saved somewhere here, but I have like uh, like the cover of the Boston Globe on like January first, two thousand was like you just experienced something that like your you know your grand your great grandchildren won't. Like a whole ch- change of a millennium, you know. It's like yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're you're fu- you're so fucking lucky to be on <laughs> to be on this to to say you experienced this crazy. Even though it's just some artificial construct of time, it's like yeah. I just remember how weird it was. It was like holy fuck, like everything's gonna be two thousand now. This is wild. So <laughs> yeah, it was uh, all through our our childhood. Just like guess what's gonna happen in two thousand? You know, there's gonna be flying cars and. And everybody's going to eat space food that the astronauts eat or some damn thing. So, and all it was was all the computers are going to fail and all the electrical grids going to go down and Russia's going to attack and nuclear bombs are going to fall because all the software can't handle it. And nothing happened whatsoever. No, nothing happened. I was so scared. Yeah. I was so scared. I escaped LA during during uh, on New Year's Eve 20, uh, 2000, and I've. Uh, we stayed at a friend's house, like out in Malibu, so we wouldn't be in the middle of like the incredible turmoil. That's how, that's how, that's how uh, paranoid we were at the time. It's like, oh well, if anything happens, we don't want to be here. So that actually crazy. makes me feel really good because I was kicking my own ass like uh, <laughs> when I was thinking of all this stuff like three weeks ago because it was like I didn't do anything crazy for two thousand like for for precisely that reason. Like I didn't go out anywhere or go to any parties or anything, I'm like, I'm just going to stay home and see this thing through and make sure that it's not so kind of the same, kind of the same attitude. So yeah, people were, people were genuinely like freaked out. They didn't know what was going to happen. It was, it was, it was wild. Yeah. It was really, uh, well, it was you know. totally quiet out there yeah, where we were. It was totally quiet. So we, we jumped in a freezing swimming pool, holding champagne with all our clothes on. That's how we, that's how we did it midnight on 2000, on the year 2000. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. People listening now, they're like, "What? What the fuck kind of year? <laughs> this is this has been the year two thousand year in review, uh, twenty years late." So yeah, that's that's kind of. <laughs> well, like I well, said, you know, pe- I imagine decade. people people didn't seem to be as excited for like two thousand ten as they were to, for two thousand twenty. Either that, or like the tweetverse yeah. and all that was a lot more developed now, so people can act more excited i guess yeah that's definitely true that's definitely true but yeah there was well like i said like uh like i said talk about feeling old because that was the kind of thing that crossed my mind where it was like oh anyone who's fucking 20 anyone who's like 25 and under has no idea what that was like it's like that whole thing where it's like they weren't even alive for 9-11 it's like oh these people weren't even alive for the for the year 2000, they they were the people that they are the they're the people that the Boston Globe was talking about. You people missed it. You yeah. weren't a part of the millennium change. We were. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and there was, uh, and then 2000 was. I know. I'm sorry. 2000 was okay. 2001 was a horrible year, and then at the end of it was 9/11. So, well, at least three months before the yeah. end of it. And now I I. I don't know what the optimism is. I felt like 19, uh, I'm sorry, 2019, especially the last six months of it was not very nice at all. I mean, not only personally for me, but a lot of people are like, God, this sucks. What is going on? What is this? What's, what's going on with the changeover? What's all the bad stuff happening? And 
people dying and, and people's lives being thrown into turmoil. And it, what, I, at least friends around me noticed this. Yeah. Uh, like somebody well, was, very concerned was trying to get it all out before, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying to you at the start of 2019, I'm like, this is going to be a year of reckoning. I'm saying reckoning. Luckily, somehow I managed to knock on wood, escape the the reckoning that I thought was coming. But that just means I'm going to get fucked at some point, <laughs> some point in the future. So maybe it'll be 2020. But, yeah, I have a bad feeling about 2019. Uh, you know, I don't know what uh, – it was just kind of a lousy year. It wasn't anything really, you know – Anything really like uplifting that I can think of, but it was yeah, a lot of like the, 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 I liked the, a lot. The end I did not. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's this coarseness in the society and d- division, and none of that's changed. It's just getting worse, and God, it's going to get even worse this year. So, you know, ugh. this is. I it will. It'll be interesting. I it'll be interesting to see if 2020 is as eventful as it feels on paper like it's going to be. So. Who knows? Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So I, let's I talk about know. I hope so. Yeah, please yeah, do. I, Tim has combed through the news here for the year, and um, since he had to pay very close attention, he's got a kind of got a finger on the pulse, pulse of the paranormal news. Um, every yeah, Friday, I'll give you guys he's all the coast. To coast. He does, so he's going to do it yeah. here for the entire year. So what kind of Tim? Yeah, all the biggest stories. Have, Tim? <laughs> we got all kinds of stories, Greg. This is going to be good. Uh, so we'll so we'll start with our sort of bailiwick, which is UFO world. Um, and uh, the, the whole year, as anyone can probably figure out, was dominated by still the fallout of this of the New York Times article. That's kind of it. All traces back to that, and sort of that set off this chain of events. The December seventeenth New York Times article that. Uh, Talked about the the A A tip uh, Pentagon UFO program. It's we're still riding this wave. Uh, the TTSA thing. Um, Tom DeLong's to the Stars Academy, uh, you know, and all their machinations. Uh, and so that was really it. Was just the whole they just kind of dominated the year. That's pretty much what ufology has become. Sort of like uh, responding and reacting to to sort of what the hell. This story as it unfolds, you might say, and and yeah. and you know, for folks who have like looked at this field forever, it's like this Tic Tac UFO video. That's this is like that's like the new, that's the hot thing, you know. That's the Bentwaters. I, I kept comparing it to like the Bentwaters when it first came up, and, but yeah, that, it's not even that. It's just like because people. When that happened, and in the aftermath of it, and many years later, and all that, um, and that was what 1980. That was like December 1980. Um, yeah. People in ufology didn't act like that was the only case that ever happened in the entire history of UFO, UFO uh, uh, lore. Right, right. And with the TTSA thing, and with 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 Tic Tac and Nimitz and all that, a lot of people are a lot. I don't know, but a, a significant portion of people. That's all they talk about. You try to compare it to an older case, or say, you know, it resembles this. And it's like, you know, who cares about that old stuff? But it's just like a lot of. Um, I read an article on um, people talking about art, like the world of art and 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 art right now, and I I saw a really great quote in there, and it was it's it said uh, people that are producing art right now act as if there was no art that came before it. 
Like there's no reference yeah. to anything that came before it, meaning they have no, you know, concept of it. They have nothing to compare it to. They have no, you know, uh, compare and contrast what's going on here. What do people used to say? What are they saying now? I, I kind of find that kind of strange where you, it, I know it's, I know it's work to go and do research about older cases, but some people won't do it, almost obstinately won't do it. So it's, it's kind of strange. I think it's a great case, and it's changed a lot of stuff, but it's not the only one ever. And talking about it in relationship to older ones, military cases, um, and all things, the things that happen to people psychologically when these things happen, those have been sort of held back. And um, one thing this case has done is actually brought that to the front, like what happened to these people, how did it change them, how did it change their yeah. lives, you know, people are asking those questions now, just not, not just like what color was it and all that stuff. People care about the entire spectrum. So I think that's a good fallout from this case. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely a good case. Don't get me wrong. It's, uh, but you're right. It is oh, interesting. It's, it's, it's a like, case. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, my concern, I'm not a part of UFO world really anymore. I, I guess it, for a while I kind of was, but I've branched out and now I'm just a, paranormal observer in general so but to me i worry about just just kind of like what you're saying like just putting all the eggs into one basket it's kind of you know it, it tends it does sometimes happen when the in the field so, you know like look at roswell and shit where it's like you know one one thing isn't gonna apparently i don't think one thing is like gonna really be the backbreaker on this thing you know so yeah Plus, if you put all your eggs in one basket, then you run the risk of, like, uh, I mean, I guess my concern, and I know there are people listening who will swear up and down and probably curse me for being like, it is not fucking some secret technology. Okay, I hear you. But if it is some secret technology and it gets revealed, then all the eggs you've been putting in your one basket are going to be all over your fucking face. Because then it's going to be UFO solved and blah, 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 and it's just going to be a shitstorm for, for UFO folks. So, you know. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's going to be that it, simple. The thing is. Right. I'm just, uh, I'm just sort of making a, 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 a warning. Right. Exactly. <laughs> a cautious warning. I know what you mean, and I agree with it. But um, something that uh, all <laughs> – you bring up his name and automatically people just jump on one side or the other. But um, for the, in furtherance of a, a talk I was doing, I actually emailed Elizondo and asked him, Louis Elizondo, I said, you know, what's, you know, what, what happens if this is, you know, uh, what, what if this, this is a secret weapon? And he said, well, if this was a secret weapon, we wouldn't be talking right now. Whoever had it, would basically be controlling the world because all I'd have to do is say, look what we got. You really have no way to right. answer us. So you have to do everything we ask. It would completely change the power structure of the world. It would just, whoever had it would be, would, could tell everybody else what to do. And who doesn't want that? So that, that's something to consider. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know how, how, you know, that doesn't sound subtle. Maybe people would hold it back because, you know, as a, you know, as a last ditch resort or who knows, but Whoever had it would probably it would be revealed pretty quickly that that uh, they had it. You know, we can go rings around you. We can't. You know, missiles can't hit us. So all the stuff you're using now is completely obsolete. So yeah, you know. So if it is revealed, 
the entire power structure of the world will change. Politics will be controlled by one country whoever, or person, whoever has this. Yeah, unless other countries have their own shit. Who knows? So then you're getting it. That, that, that I said in the notes, in a sense, for the year, because it's like I do wonder how, how this – if and how this is connected to the creation of this Space Force thing where it's like, okay, now we're – now we're going. Now we want to go out to space and, like, think, I guess weaponize space. And it's like, okay, so now, you know, the only thing, <laughs> the only thing we know that's in space is maybe aliens. So maybe there's some kind of, maybe there's some kind of connection there we haven't seen yet. What it is, but to me, it's like, clearly, like, <laughs> Earth is old news. Like getting the fuck off of Earth, uh, probably because it's dying. Um, you know, it seems like. Seems like there's more attention now than ever to like just just sort of expanding and getting the hell out of here. Yeah, even though it's uh, I I was ha- I was talking to uh, somebody that's really interested in this in science. I mean, it's just not not somebody that's real famous or anything, but somebody who's interested in this, and they were saying we can't even get to Mars right now. You'd you'd send people right, six right. people there, they'd be dead by the time they got there because their bones yeah, much would, less terraforming their bones and all that go away. Yeah, well, the trip there would ruin your body. Not, you know, all the cosmic rays, your bones would deteriorate. Your all the stuff that happens to people when they're on space missions would be magnified like five times because it'd be that it would be, you know, five times longer than, or it'd be a lot longer than any mission that has happened on the space station. So when they right. got there, they'd basically be useless or dead. So you know, technology has to change to the point where these things can be overcome, or we can get there faster, or whatever. And the thing about space, um, uh, space force and space war in space, I've got the feeling that uh, whatever is going on with uh, with the military in space has been going on for way longer than anybody realizes. It's probably a lot more sophisticated than people think. And it's just well, it's a thing like, you know, they reveal the stealth fighter. It's like the thing had been flying for five or ten years before it was even made public. So I think this is just kind of a step to towards. Look, let's be overt about what we're thinking about it with uh, with uh, with weapons in space and the weaponization of space, and um, you know, it's just maybe it's some way to suck uh, uh, funds into into projects. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. been around maybe, for a long yeah. time. I mean, there's there's been a U.S. Air Force Space Command, I think, since the probably since the 50s or 60s. I think. Well, there's an article. I don't have it in front of me, and. Uh, I could barely quote it, but uh, the gist of it was someone from, like, the Air Force or the Navy or something uh, in some kind of, like, hearing or whatever was like, we need, if we're going to have a Space Force, we need to start declassifying some of this super secret shit because otherwise, like, people, I, I don't know the gist of it, but essentially they were advocating for the declassification of, like, advanced Shit, I don't know, probably, you know, kind of along the lines of that plane they send up that flies around fucking, uh, you know, the space plane that flies around for like three yeah. years at a time and comes back. You know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's like, who knows? Whatever they, that they, they, is. They, they, it was a, go ahead. Go ahead. It was pretty much an admission that, like, they have secret shit. That's kind of why it's like, to go back to the Tic Tac thing, like, you know. I'll, I, I'll always sort of just be distrustful of the of the possibility that's like they it could be ours like you know and it, it, just to kind of circle back a little bit onto that too it's like 
even if it is quote-unquote aliens or whatever, like, part of me is pessimistic enough to be like, well, like, there's been a million really great cases, and, like, we, <laughs> we don't know the answer to any of them. So people need to, like, if you're all excited about the Tic Tac, just remember, you're probably never going to find out what the fucking Tic Tac was unless it turns out to be a secret weapon. Because, like, we never find... we All the shit's always just classified as, like, that's a really great case. But it's, like... But it's still unanswered, you know? Like, the RV-47 well, is a also, case. Yeah, but it's also many multiple witnesses, all militarily trained, and also with... Um, with uh, instrumentation, video, and everything. I mean, it's it's a pretty unique case. It just no, it's, yeah, the elements of it have been around for a long time, but all of them coming together in one thing to be revealed publicly—that's what was different. And I yeah, don't know yeah. the purpose behind revealing it, except to you know let other people, let other countries know that either one, we know what's going on in some way, or, or um, we have control of this, or maybe we don't. What whatever it is, there's got to be some reason why the military would even admit to it and then tell it, say that their Navy pilots were getting, you know, training to be able to report them properly and all that. That's a change in right. attitude. I do not know what that change in attitude is for. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, people can say, well, it's disclosure. It's like, no, disclosure is, disclosure is hearing exactly what you want from people that have, that have never told you the truth before and, and believing them <laughs> that one time. That, that to me is disclosure. Um, right, right. Apart from that, I think it's a far more, a far more subtle process than that, and uh, that we can't make any assumptions. And once you start making assumptions, um, you've dropped into somebody's trap about the assumptions they want you to make, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I just mean we may not ever find out what the, the you know, seems stands to reason we probably won't ever really find out what that fucking Tic Tac thing is, I guess is the, <laughs> you know. So that's the, that's the I, I maddening part of this mystery. You. Yeah. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you quite uh, quite closely on that. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I, I I agree with you. I don't think we'll ever find out exactly what it was. But the fallout of the of, of the revelation and of people talking about it is probably the most important part of part of it. Like Jim Mosley said, yeah, you can't yeah. figure out what the thing is, but the people around it are far more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just because you can't figure out, just because we may not never know what it is, doesn't mean we shouldn't look at it. But yeah, it was just kind of. I like being the turd in the punch bowl. What can I say? So the the um, so <laughs> the I, I mean I like it. I think it's a good case. But I like to be like, hey, let's make sure <laughs> you know. Uh, I'd like to know what that tic tac thing is too. But who knows? I doubt we'll ever will really ever know. But the nonetheless, a lot of people want to know, and uh, that kind of segues to like in the spring. This thing kind of really kicked up in the spring. The Navy said. To sort of recap 2019 for folks, the Navy said they were gonna uh, they're gonna rewrite their reporting rules uh, for pilots. Greg mentioned that just now, and then um, then all of a sudden it was kind of weird. Then like uh, it got out that Cong- a couple of some congressmen asked for uh, briefings on UFOs on the Tic Tac thing, essentially uh, Navy pilots seeing UFOs, um, and that you know that was really. It will kind of drive home in a sense, like uh, when we get sort of to the a look back at the decade. But that was like a pretty significant sort of like, wow, that's pretty wild. Uh, and it got all the way up to Trump, and he was asked about it, and he kind of looked like he pretty much blew it off. 
um, as as a you know as no big deal. Uh, he didn't he he didn't tip his hand on aliens or anything. So that was like I know a lot of people. There were people who were genuinely like sure that he was that he was going to say something, and it was like no, dude, he's not gonna you know. But he didn't. He made a really funny face when he was asked about it, where it was like it's like that face. That's that, that face that he makes. It's like a gif, pretty much, too. It's like kind of where he makes that, like, he curls his face up where he's like, thinks something's absurd. He made that sort yeah. of, like, this is absurd face. So, who the fuck knows? I mean, I'm of the opinion, like, I, I, well, I, don't, I don't think, think he has that, many fans of the military, so I don't think they tell him. Exactly. I don't think he really knows any, I don't think he knows anything, you know, I mean, he may know something earth-shattering, but it's like he probably, he probably can't he can't prove it any more than like the crazy people you see at your random UFO, UFO convention. So he might be like, "Yeah, there's bases on Mars," and it's like, just don't give him anything that he could prove this with. So who who the fuck knows? But yeah, he didn't seem too too bullish on UFOs. But still, the the remarkable part, kind of like we were saying before, is that it got all the way up to him. In general, uh, because this kind of happened in uh, – I forget how it came up like in 2016, but they started bringing it up when Obama was president. Oh, because Hillary Clinton said she was going to dig into the UFO files. So all of a sudden they started bringing UFOs up in the press briefings and shit, um, and they were kind of shot down and everything. But that was kind of the beginning of a lot of this stuff. Um and I think when we look back on it, we may be able to say that whatever this this whole thing that's going on right now with Tic Tac and TTSA and AA Tip and whatever this is, probably there, the roots are somewhere back there. And the and the hope was that she was going to be elected, and so they had to do a a hard reset and rearrange whatever the fuck they were doing or are doing. Um, but the gist of it is, is like they never nobody asked Obama except when he was on like Jimmy Kimmel, uh, about UFOs. So just the fact that, like, it came up in a serious interview with the president should is a testament to, I guess you could say, how how big UFOs were in, in 2019. Like, they, they've really gone as mainstream. You know, they're pretty fucking mainstream now. Yeah. Well, they'll probably, unless something changes with, in our understanding of it, it'll probably go back to being, like, you know, a weird thing. Um, that not too many people are interested in unless something changes. So uh, if we can understand what's going on and somebody has a good idea of what's going on and can reveal what that is and can show that to, you know, show it in some equivocal way to many people, I think that it's just going to, you know, it, it'll probably just go back to not being that interesting or popular, just like, you know, just like it has in the past. It's just that this, it just got a huge push up the hill um, with that story. And the, the, when you're yeah. talking about all this and we're talk, talking about all the reactions, all I can think, and I just said this a little while ago, is whoever wants to get this information out wants people to think about it in a certain way. So they release information that gets people talking in a certain way. Um, and that's kind of what you have to be aware of because somebody may be controlling the conversation. And it looks like it's a for and against and all that, but you're only arguing about one little part of a much bigger issue. I don't know what right, that issue right. is, but it probably has something to do with, you know, with UFOs, where they come from, who, you know, what, what causes the reports and all that other stuff. But the, the fact, you know, when somebody says something like 
somebody makes a press release or writes a story, you're automatically throwing people into a argument about that thing. Right. And anything around it or anything that's near it or anything that might be important is immediately dismissed, not dismissed, but nobody pays attention to it anymore because the hand is up there going, look at this, look at this, look at this. And everything around, you know, what the other hand is doing, the magician's hand is doing is not, nobody cares about that anymore because they're all looking at the thing that they, that they, they're waving in their face. So right, that's right. why I try not to get too excited about for or against or pissed off at uh, people that are for or against it or pissed off at TTS. I, that's, I think that's useless. I think, I, I think stepping right, I back agree. and having a, a bigger view of it is a lot more useful. And that's what, you know, um, thoughtful people that want to sort of figure out what's going on or at least to get a better picture of what's going on should do. So, like I said, I try not to get emotionally involved in it too much. Because yeah, I, I, means, I, I totally you agree. All, yeah. Your, yeah, all your, all your peripheral um, vision starts – you get tunnel vision by, by, by uh, having somebody control the conversation, and, if the, and that's what they want, you know, sometimes. Maybe they don't do, think they're doing it, but in this case, if the military is doing it and intelligence services are doing it, they want you to talk about it in a certain way. So just be aware of that. Yeah, and connecting it to the thing about the Space Force uh, – I will say, I forget who I talked about this with. Maybe maybe Aaron and Paul when we did the stand show. Uh, I think that was when it came up, but I'm not sure. Maybe it was you just on a private conversation. But it was just like I do. I get weary, kind of like what you're saying, how like there, if there's someone driving the conversation where it's like this whole idea of of the UFO threat is is like this new. It's not new, but it's like a reemerged wrinkle in the in the mystery yeah. if you will where it's like there seems to be a lot of concern or fabricated concern or discussion i mean the whole thing was like the the program was the threat assessment program right and it's like then it's like yeah. this shit's in the air and our pilots don't know what it is it's like you should be <laughs> that should worry people like like so clearly you know, and then again, like now, now, now we're now we're sending, now we're weaponizing space. Like, why is it because of these fucking things that are flying around? We don't that our pilots are can't identify. Like the whole the whole storyline, as it seems to be unfolding, is like, oh shit, are we are we gonna fucking yeah. go to well, war with aliens? <laughs> like, wait a minute. No, you know? I I think that ever since you know the 1950s or early 60s when they first started sending up spy satellites. Whoever is, you know, in space first can see what's going on. They can, and at the time, nothing could reach them. Now, other spacecraft can reach them, but you know, there, there may be well, there may be stealth spacecraft too. I have no idea. Right. But um, I think that you know, you don't have to have aliens around him to want to be uh, have a supremacy in the area of you know of space. It just it just yeah. stands to reason that whoever takes this this is the real high ground. It's not even on the ground anymore, but. Whoever, whoever can control that um, is out, out of reach of anything but uh, other countries that have, you know, the ability to, to launch things into space and, and shoot you down or whatever it is. It's the other thing. If they shoot yeah, something down yeah, in yeah. space, it may mess up everything else because just stuff starts flying everywhere. That, I think that was a story with India. They blew up one of their, their satellites just to – I think they self-destructed it or something. And a lot of countries like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? These little pieces, you don't know where they're going to go, and they can slam into our satellites at, you know, yeah, yeah. 50,000 miles an hour. 
one tiny little thing that looks like a grain of sand could, you know, could completely destroy our satellite. Don't be, don't be blowing stuff up in space. It's really stupid. The space is crowded now. Oh yeah, there's tons of space garbage. But yeah, you're right about yeah the high ground in sense. Yeah, and it's like if you're going to war with somebody, you want to cut off their supply lines, and and the whole idea is like the satellites are essentially the information supply lines. So if they take out, you know, satellites, fucking the country's whole, you know, all their all their all their shit could be completely ruined. You know, they might be back to like yeah, I think people are fighting with regular guns more and disabling them. Yeah. I think they're concentrating more in disabling satellites, like, you know, burning out their optics or getting something right, near it right, that messes yeah. up their electronics or whatever so that they just can't work anymore. Um, yeah, I don't mean like shoot them. If you shoot them out of like. the sky, it's almost like friendly fire. It can get you later. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, yeah, I was being facetious about going to war with aliens, but, yeah, the whole idea, like, I know I you were, but anybody what, that has yeah. idea in their mind, they're like, there is a lot more earthly concerns than aliens attacking us to have a superiority. In space. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one uh, of my pet peeves like is uh, like the people that like every. I think I said it to you the other night. If a tree falls in the woods, it was a UFO. It's like everything is related to. It's like no, not they, they didn't bomb that dude in Iran <laughs> because of UFOs. It has nothing fucking to do, you know. But there are people who are like, this connects. Back to <laughs> it's like no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, but yeah, I was laughing I was to myself to the other a... night because what's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just laughing to myself the other night because I thought to my I was thinking about this scenario of them painting the aliens as threats, and it's like as someone who's been following this mystery for a long time, and you have followed it even longer. It's like how shitty an ending would that be? If they were like, they were like, <laughs> like if the government came out and. The, and they're like, okay, listen, we're going to level with you here. Aliens are real, and they want to fucking destroy us, and we have to destroy them. And, and so, so it's on. We're going to war with the fucking aliens. And we're like, whoa, wait a minute. The aliens are real. Aliens are real, but we have to, dest- we have to destroy them as quickly as possible because they're, <laughs> they're hell-bent on killing us. We're like, wow, this fucking sucks. Like, wow, shit. What, <laughs> wait a minute. What happened? So... I hope that's not how well, it ends. See, but who sounds, knows? I hope it's not either. But it sounds too much like a, a movie that you would expect to be that way for me to think that it's real. As we all know, yeah. that anything you see in a movie or TV, it's not what's going on. It's just somebody's idea right, about right. what's going on. And so yeah. I don't think painting the UFO thing with a you know our aliens invading us is a, uh, is probably not it's it's not a smart thing for people to do because. I don't think we have any concept really of what's going on or whatever that that causes the UFO thing. Well, I don't I don't think we do. We may think it's from other planets, but it's just it's so much bigger than that. What I was going to say is that um, you know when you said about everything is caught, you know, it all goes back to UFOs. Every semester or so, I, I lecture a, to a college class about um, basically they show Mirage Man and I talk about it. Um, which is about the Paul Benowitz thing, uh, the film that Mark Gilkey and John Lundberg put out a few years ago. Um, and one of the questions was, how do you know when you've gone too far or you've gotten too, you know, too much into it deep and in lost this. perspective? And I said, yeah. Well, how do you know when you're just so deep in it and you've just gone too far? And I, I, I never had that question before, and I thought about it. And I said, when you can't think about anything else, that's probably at that yeah. point. 
where, where it gets bad. And the other thing that brought to mind, and I, I followed it up, I said, if you get into this subject, and we've seen this happen to people this year and years past, goes all the way back to when we, both of us were first into it. You, when you came into it, and me, when I was into it, came into it. But every year, you see somebody who's basically driven nuts by it. Because they yeah. they suddenly they figured it all out, everything you know everything falls into place, and it's basically I mean it just r- runs towards this I guess I don't know if I call it paranoid delusion, but a paranoia that runs so deep that that's all you can see about like I said about that uh, obsession. So I said if you get close to the UFO subject, and I guess to some extent with other things like Bigfoot and the other and ghosts and ghosts things, things and like shit, that, definitely. But, yeah, but if you get too close to this stuff, if there's a loose thread in your makeup, it'll grab that thread and just start unraveling you until, uh, unless you're smart enough to cut that thread. It's like, no, I'm not obsessed with that, whatever. But, yeah, it'll unravel you quickly if, if you, if you, you know, if, if you've got a loose thread in the thread and you don't stop it from being pulled, that's it. You're, you know, you're, you're going to be an unraveled blanket or a sweater or whatever you want to call it. And I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to fault anybody uh, for spending a lot of time on this stuff. But I like I watch. No, I don't participate, but I, I I watch like UFO Twitter. And sometimes I mean, it's like, guys, just chill the fuck out. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, you like I'll pop on and check my timeline. It's like, Jesus Christ, you people spend all day Saturday arguing about a fucking parsing the words of a Pentagon press like. Get out and enjoy the fucking weather. Like it was like in the summertime. It's like get out and you know go to the fucking beach. Like I don't even care. Go to a sculpture park. Do anything. Just fucking <laughs> like like come back on the UFOs. It's not going to solve itself tomorrow. Just go out. Ah, life's too short. It's why we used to do the baseball special on Banal of America. It was like to tell everybody, hey. Don't fucking go crazy over this shit. There's other stuff you can get, you can spend your time on. Yeah, we should do another one, you know, considering what happened in the last year. But we, let's not talk about it right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay, I think we can kind of leave the year in UFOs behind. I mean, uh, that was it. Yeah. Uh, and when we get we to the decade thing, it people for two hours. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure there are other podcasts that have done two hour. UFO year in reviews and reviews, and they, you know, ran out of time and shit. So it's like it was the, it was a huge, huge, huge year for UFOs. And uh, when I hit the highlights of the decade, you'll kind of, I mean, people, for all the people, I guess this is sort of the last thing I'll say about 2019 for UFOs. Like the the TTSA super fans, they do kind of annoy me because just the super fans, super fans of anything annoy me. Um, but this year, especially the the TTSA critics, and some of them are my friends. Like, they became just as bad, where, again, it was like, there's just too much fighting over this, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's getting very granular to the point where it's like, yeah. you're arguing about super fine details surrounding this Pentagon program, um, and it's like, kind of like we were talking about the just focusing too much on just the Tic Tac thing, where it's like, there's more to this phenomenon than than this story. It's like TTSAology has replaced ufology as far as what what people are like looking at. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a legitimate statement and I'd agree with it in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
And as a long Meanwhile, time, the phenomenon goes on and people have weird experiences and people still have abductions and, you know, all that. Exactly, yeah. Um, so the other, there's only one other that kind of connects, that this is what inspired that uh, sort of thought was the, I picked this out when I was doing the wrap-up for Coast to Coast. I was like, oh, the only that I could see uh, UFO wrap-up out there that mentioned this. So I thought this was really awesome. Um now, you know about how Pascagoula's been had a renaissance. Uh, I forget the name of the guy now. I, I apologize. Uh, the, Calvin the witness, Parker. He, he wrote the, yes, Calvin Parker wrote the book, and Pascagoula's been kind of hot uh, for like the last year or so. And this past year, 2019, over the course of the year, not all at once, five new people came forward in the general area of Pascagoula, to say that they saw a UFO, you know, from various points around the area. It looked differently, you know, depending on where you were and what it was doing. But it was the night of the Pascagoula incident. So I was like, you know, again, it's like we may never know what happened, but that's pretty fucking cool. Like that that five five witnesses, not just one person, like five different people, you know, all with different stories. It was like, holy shit, this is this is uh you rarely ever see that with any of these old cases. Yeah, and I don't think you should look for consistency in the stories because it's subject to, one, it was night, and two, it's human perception, and three, they're all remembering. And, you know, four, right, right. maybe they didn't have the date right. I don't know, but I, I'm willing to, you know, to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, to give them that, that there's, there were other people that saw something. I think that's great. I never thought the yeah. story was a hoax or anything anyway the main reason was because both people they're they're you know especially parker and he's it's taken him a long time his life was basically ruined by it and he just didn't want to deal with it anymore and he stopped talking to everybody until about probably about five years ago um charles hickson the older one the the uh he wrote a book about it um called ufo incident at pascagoula or he co-wrote it or you know had a ghostwriter not really ghostwriter actually the guy's name was on there but he had subsequent other things happen to him. One of them, when he was traveling uh, back from a Thanksgiving dinner with his entire family, like in this pine forest in, uh, I think, Louisiana, maybe northern Louisiana. I can't remember exactly where it was. But his whole family saw like a classic UFO hovering over the highway. It freaked them all out. They, they, right. they, all, they were screaming. And this, this was after the original first, you know, uh, the first Jesus, incident that was like a, a year or two afterwards. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, what he described, he was the most called person in the car because he already had experience yeah. with it. So he he actually wanted to get out of the car and go up to it, you know, a, a la, you know, um, uh, Travis Walton. But his family's like, no, no, stay in the car. It was pretty dramatic uh, uh, sighting. And then he had two others as well. One One where he just felt something, I think, or may have seen something in the woods. And the other one where he had to leave his house because he something was calling him outside, but he didn't actually see anything. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's a very it's a very interesting. It's one of my favorite cases ever. And the other thing, was, right. You know, which everybody knows or most people know, was that the secret tape that the police made uh, when they were the sitting police alone tape in the, the biggest thing. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, when well, yeah. they didn't think anybody was listening to them, and they just, just kind of like, "What happened? What are we going to do?" You know, and part, you know, Hickson was saying, "Well, you know, son, we got to." We got to keep it together, and you know, 
and we'll get through this. And, you know, it, it, there was no like conspiratorial talk, like do they believe us or anything. That that yeah, they were almost crying or something, I think, but I don't remember. Yeah, and clearly. it's not. It doesn't prove it. You know, it happened as the way they described it, but it proved that something very unusual happened to them. It really disturbed them. So, yeah, absolutely. Who knows? But I've always loved that case. I mean, it, it, it happened when I was a little kid, and I just thought it was one of the coolest things ever. Because <laughs> um, there were there yeah, were the no abductions, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no abduction literature then. This was before Bud Hopkins. This was before it was after Barney and Betty Hill, obviously, but it was before the big abduction push at the end of the seventies. Right, right. Uh, what well, I, I guess. Uh, just to be clear, like when I met, when I said like, oh, they were, they all had different sort of things. I think that's it. I think that's kind of interesting in a way. It's like maybe if you could sit down and sort of take take the figure out like the perspectives from where they were. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and maybe that would be like, okay, well, this guy was here, so it would look yeah. that way kind of if it was going in that direction. It, yeah. That's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I don't know anybody that's done that. So, but I reckon. No, no. The same I recommend thing anyone who's. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, we got to delay it, here. It, it echo, folks, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's there's a um, precedent for it in well a few different sighting cases when people went back and found other witnesses. But the other thing it reminds me of was people went out and started questioning people around Socorro um, for that case because very soon after, I think within days or at least fairly fairly soon after, they found a family that saw the damn thing fly over the highway. Before it, before it landed where it was, where Lonnie Zamorafat saw it on the ground. And then later they found even more witnesses. So, you know, it's not like uh, it, it just it bolsters this person's uh, their testimony that they actually really did see something. Yeah. Um, worth mentioning uh, also, just to wrap up Pascagoula, they got a monument uh, where it happened now, which is like very near fucking it. rare. Yeah, yeah, like along the river or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think where they were is now sanctioned. private property, so they can't. Yeah. Yeah, and you want it where like people can see it. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool, and I I assume it is gonna blossom more. May end up becoming like a Roswell type uh, festival thing eventually. Um, let's see. Yeah, well, people in Pasadena are smart. They'll they'll have a festival because it brings in money and you know and yeah. and. Uh, uh, Put them I'd on go. the map and all this other stuff. Yeah, I'd go too. I'd go in a heartbeat. Um, the only other yeah. monument I can think of really is, uh, and there's a few, but is the uh, Barney and Betty Hill. There's one next to the highway in, in uh, Massachusetts where they were, where they had their uh, uh, yeah. experience. Yeah, in New Hampshire. Yeah, I've never New seen Hampshire, it because it's like way the way the hell out of the way from where I am. But I, I keep meaning to do a, a day trip. Uh, there's a gas station that. Uh, do you ever heard about the gas station? No. You know it. You know immediately. What's that? No, I haven't heard about the gas station. Uh, along the way near where it happened, there's a gas station that's like transformed into sort of a uh, unofficial museum thing, where like a whole wall ah. of the, there's a mural outside, and then inside uh, there's like all kinds of merchandise and a little. Kind of like the Shag Harbor Museum. That's what the understanding yeah. I have. Sort of a little, a little put together uh, display about an, the an independent, uh, independent, uh, non-sanctioned, uh, 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 a folk museum almost. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, At, if you go to the, the old, Socorro site, there's actually a big mural painted on a drainage culvert of uh, of Lonnie Zamora and his police car and this and this object flying into the air. It's it's a really cool mural. It's probably about 30, 40 feet high and 20, 30 feet wide. Oh, nice. Um, the I guess the only other UFO thing worth mentioning, uh, aside from Stan Friedman passing away, we'll get to that when we do the the in memoriam part. But uh, I think it's I guess worth noting the the uh, the Project Blue Book TV show. I thought that was kind of unique for uh, what we've seen in the past. Um, it's uh, you know uh, not obviously not accurate necessarily. Uh, not historically accurate, even though it's on the History Channel. I, I know that's so hard for people to believe. <laughs> but um, be that as it may, like, uh, you know, a fictionalized Mad Men-style program about UFOs, like, if you told me, like, ten years ago, that would be like a dream, you know? That would be like, that would be fucking yeah. awesome. So, you know, and of course, showing just how old and jaded I am now, when it came on, I was like, I don't have time for that shit. So... <laughs> So young me is like, <laughs> fuck you, old banal. <laughs> but I barely, it's, it's pretty cool. barely watch TV. I got, I, I uh, actually got to see the, the first episode of the second season last yesterday after I gave my talk. Oh, nice. They, 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 they ran, they ran the episode because MUFON had it. I, I went to speak at, at the LA MUFON um, with the, with the stipulation that they, that none of the money go to the, national office and they said yeah well we'll just keep it for i said just keep it for your project and keep your bank account up and don't pay me well all i had to do was drive for 30 minutes to get there so it was no big deal for me but yeah they showed it um, high production values the acting's great um really yeah, really fast and loose yeah. with the uh with the facts of uh ufo lore but i think their point was to make uh people aware of what was going on and make them be more you know kind of uh, aware aware of uh, of the history of of the of the subject and maybe get more interested in finding out what the real stories behind these uh, behind these fictionalized accounts are. Yeah, and the yeah. family's on board. I, saw, with, I, I met Paul Heineck and he's he's on board with their with their stuff. So him and his brother, uh, I can't remember his brother's name. Uh, yeah, of, of well, I saw a lot of people complain about it when it came on because of the historical. Uh, you know, a mis, misinterpretation, however you want to call it, uh, the historical inaccuracy. Um, but to me, I try to yeah, it is, two things. It, it's uh, it's pretty one, inaccurate, but it's also, you know, that, that's TV. I mean, if, if, as exactly. I say to many people, if you, they made the show that a ufologist wants to make, nobody would watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be, it would be torturous. Um, well, that's, that's, the, that's the point. First, uh, it, it's, it's good in a sense, I guess, from my understanding. I don't watch the show, but like at the end of each episode, they're like, this was based on this case from the Blue Book files. And, you know, so people can Google it and shit and, and find out more. And I've actually heard from people and seen people online say that they do, they, they've done that. So it's, you know, that's a good thing. And B, try to explain to people online who were complaining about it. Um, you know, it's, it, obviously, anyone who's into the subject has every right to not be thrilled with the fact that it's not historically accurate. It's totally understandable. We all love this shit, and we want to see it represent in the best light. But, but the show, kind of like what you're saying about if they made a show for the, the, the UFO buffs want, 
It's like this show isn't for us. It's for the people I call UFO curious. They're like the yeah. people who, <laughs> who, who, who don't listen to these podcasts. Who they'll read the UFO article if it's in the paper or on the website, but they're not like going out of their way to look at UFO shit. So they're trying to get the, the UFO curious, and and for people who are curious about UFOs, you need to like sex it up a little, or however the, you know, spice it up, make the make the show appealing as a as a as a narrative TV program, so I understand. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, I met Paul Hynek and Calvin Parker, who we were just talking about, together at the UFO Congress and talked to them for a while. And they're both really nice people, really cool, um, very very polite. Uh, you know, um, Cal- Calvin Parker is you know he's actually really funny, and and Paul Hynek too. He's got incredible sense of humor and really easygoing. So it was kind of, kind of cool to meet them. Um, and sort of to get on the soapbox again, the, well, to, just to take the blue book saying everything. Stu- What's that? I said, step on up there. <laughs> everything. Well, I, I see there's a lot of like discontent in the UFO world. Uh, and, and I think that people need to just take a moment and stop and even if you fucking hate everything, <laughs> everything that's happening, and there are people that hate everything that's happening, even if you are like anti this and anti that, and you know, uh, you need to take a step back for a moment, folks, and just appreciate how fucking huge UFOs are right now. Because this is, like I said, they have <laughs> there's tons of TV shows. TTSA had their own show. There's no real. Point. Greg was on it. UFO expert Greg Bishop was on it. Um, and it's all over the news. It's like, this is, this is like a golden era for, for UFOs. So, you know, it, maybe that's why people are so fired up, even the negative people, but like, take a moment and appreciate it. Cause when we talk about the decade, the beginning of the decade, there wait, there wasn't shit happening. Like one of the biggest stories we talked about, like at the start of the decade, get this, was that the, that Google you know, they have the Google Doodle for their logo every day. It changes. They did a UFO yeah. one one day. And that was the fuck. That was one yeah. of the biggest fucking stories of the year. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why did they do it? Was that, it for an anniversary of something or? I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I think you wrote about it at UFO Mystic and UFO Mystic's not up anymore. I gotta, I gotta Google it ironically no. now, and, and find out, but no, you got yeah, you got to get was, my book to get a, get your, your UFO mystic. I think some of it's on Wayback Machine, but also uh, 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 Defies Language has all the most of the stuff I wrote for the site. At least the stuff that wasn't boring. So. But yeah, um, yeah that I was don't the remember thing. writing about. Oh, that. okay, Roswell's sixtieth. I think that was probably it. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I was actually there for that, so that was, that's kind of amazing. I got to go to I got to go to the fiftieth. Uh, to report on it, and I got to go to the 60th to actually speak, which I thought was a lot of fun, and I had a great time. Oh, actually, I loved going to the Roswell Festival. Yeah, for some reason, uh, there's one that was... Oh. Okay. Yeah, well, I that would have been now. 2007, was, not not 2010. No, it was, it, it was 2009, and it was in reference to the uh, birthday of H.G. Wells, I think. Yeah. So, oh, okay. 
Oh well, okay. But, I guess they had Martians on their gra- on their graphic then, or at least H.G. Yeah, Wells yeah. Martians, the ones with the big tentacles and the three part 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 eyeball or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Right, but it's a testament to folks that like how the difference between 2019 and that's actually perfect. Ten years ago, 2009. Like, the fact that fucking Google just had a UFO in their doodle, that was like, that was enough to titillate UFO world. That was like, what the fuck? Oh, oh fuck, boy. what the fuck? Yeah, it was like, this. that was so exciting. And now, like, nobody would even fucking, nobody would even care. No one would, it wouldn't be a big deal at all. So, I don't know. Yep. It's disclosure. It's really slow happening. That's pretty, you know, people just getting more used to this ridiculousness. They don't need to say there's a you know covert thing going on, but it seems so overt now. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. think that overtness hides the covertness, you know? It's like, <laughs> you're, you're being told this stuff for a reason, people. I don't know what that reason is, but it's not what you think. It's not what they're telling you it's for. So that, that, that's, that's my idea. Uh, I could be wrong. But, you know, that's how I look at things. You I mean, look at the hell I've written about. So. All right. Now, we've done an hour on UFOs, so I think we can leave UFOs behind. We'll hit the rest please. of the big paranormal stories. I know. Yeah, please. Um, okay, so the I, I, I made a little list here. If I had to pick the biggest paranormal story of the year, aside from UFOs, it was uh, this – I think he's Australian scientist did an environmental DNA study back in 2018 of Loch Ness, where he took a bunch of water from Loch Ness, a shitload of water samples from all over the place in Loch Ness and uh, extracted all the DNA. It's called environmental DNA testing. It's a new idea. Um, And so they extracted Uh all the DNA from all the creatures in there because they all leave behind little poop and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Fish poop and scales and, Hair and yeah. all kinds of shit. So, uh, and and they determined essentially that the only real possibility for Loch Ness monster is a giant eel, because um, they managed to catalog all of the creatures in the loch, and the only one that sort of matched uh, what this thing could be, if there is a thing is a giant eel, which has been the theory for a long time anyway. So it wasn't like earth shattering per se, but it was uh, a rare. Giant eel DNA. Well, they had a shitload of eel. That was the, that was the (laughs) finding. It wasn't just like one giant eel. It was like a shitload of eels. So they were like, well, if there's a shitload of eels, this is my this is my scientific interpretation of the paper. If there are a shitload of eels, then by then by science, uh there must be some giant ones. So, you know. That was kind of the uh, idea. Yeah, that seems a little a little too too much uh, extrapolating to me, but whatever, yes. That's that, I, it's funny, Tim, you said that was a big story. I hadn't heard it till you just told me this now. Because I don't look at the, the, the coast news every day, I just look at it sort well, of on the, you know, pretty much on the I'm days. working hard every day on that shit. He did. Tim's <laughs> working hard five days a week, and today I was because he had the day off, I think, or at least part of it. Yes. Yeah. Thank Thank heavens. Um, yeah. Well, it wasn't <laughs> the that was. I, I mean, it was a big story. I wouldn't necessarily like. It certainly wasn't conclusive or anything. I guess the. 
the study, they didn't come out and say that Loch Ness Monster is a giant eel. They said the only possible of the all the different theories, the only one that works with what we found for environmental DNA is right. a giant eel. So right. it's okay. like they'll still people will still see shit, you know. And it was very when prophecy fails because there are, there are still like Loch Ness monster researchers who are like it, it connects to something underneath and people like things could get in and out and so there are people still who who kind of but I think I think looking back they'll probably be like this is kind of they solved this as close as we might get to a uh, this thing being solved short of draining Loch Ness. Yeah. <laughs> Drain the pool and see what's uh, jumping around there, <laughs> flopping yeah. around at the end. And it's been report, you know, the reports have been around since, you know, the Middle Ages. So something's been living there for yeah, a really long are, time. People are still going to see shit that they're not, like, there's still going to be shit in the water that people aren't going to, you know. I could look at an eel. You could tell me it was an eel. I've seen an eel <laughs> like on video, you know. And, 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 you know, I still wouldn't really be like, that's, it's just a giant snake. It's like the perfect thing to be like misinterpreted if you saw it. You know what I mean? If just a little part of it stuck out of the water, it's like you know, you can imagine all kinds of shit. So the eel is the perfect candidate for this and I think that these giant eels will still you know, be uh they'll still be seen and shit. I guess it would be cool if someone yeah, well. like And when I mean giant, that doesn't necessarily like we're not talking like 40 feet long. Like, just a six-foot-long eel, I think, would <laughs> be – yeah, I don't know how big eels get, but, you know. Um, well, people have seen things yeah. out of the water that weren't eels either. They sound more That's like true. dinosaurs. People talk about – I mean, that those those reports are not rare. So, um, yeah, like, like, a, like a lot of explanations – yeah, like a lot of these explanations for things, it explains some things, but not all of them. Yeah, and, and that you whole have, area you're is gonna have rich to come up with like, a theory that explains. Yeah, unless you just say, "Well, weirdness. those were," you know, those, those, yeah, those, either that or you just dismiss them by saying that those are inaccurate or hoaxes or lies or whatever. It's like, okay, well, that's really easy to say too. And I'm not saying there's a monster in Loch Ness conclusively. Oh my God, it's just kind of like you know, anytime somebody tries to explain some paranormal thing, it never covers all the bases. You have to right. make some assumptions about you know a few things. And if you do, yeah, they they work well or really well, but it's always assumptions made. Like orb photographs, uh, the fact that uh, pieces of dust and, and, and lens flares and all that explains a lot of them is great, but it doesn't explain all of them. It just explains, I think, most of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to one that has just a sort of uh, riff on that, just uh, I will say this, looking back on – 2019 also uh just to briefly touch on ufos just just the, the ufo videos like they're so bad now they're just so bad now like nothing i haven't seen a good ufo video in a long time so <laughs> take better videos people like they're almost always a fucking mylar <laughs> balloon or a reflection a reflection of, of the cell phone thing off the window of the car or they're just always this always like the prosaic explanation always fits so perfectly where it's like at least the videos that get out there, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. how the fuck? Yeah, it's very frustrating. <laughs> There's better ghost videos than, than uh, much better ghost I videos. I took a UFO, UFO video this year. 
this last year I took a UFO video. We were, but nothing came out. We were driving in the desert, and it was night. It was up, you know, up near near uh, Lancaster, which is near Edwards Air Force Base, where they test all kinds of stuff. But it was not, you know, it was dark. There was cloud cover, and every few seconds, this really bright searchlight would flash on, like something was above the clouds, flashing a light on the clouds. And this Weird. happened, and it would flash in one spot, and then 10 miles away, another one would come up. So it was like they're all over the place. And I was trying to get this on video on my phone. And as we're driving, you know, it's like, of course, I turn on my phone video, and nothing happens. But then I get a couple of them. And I look back at the video, and you can't see anything. It's just black. <laughs> so nothing turned Weird. up on the video. So I think that's a problem with a lot of UFO videos. It never captures what the eye sees. Yes, definitely. You know, definitely the eye sees that, something yeah. completely different than, or a lot different than what shows up on video. And the video is very rarely does it match up with what people saw. I think, you know, if you believe the Tic Tac thing, that's one of the rare instances where it does or it's close. Yeah, yeah. It's weird like that. I've noticed that, uh, <laughs> As weird as it sounds, I've noticed that with, like, my, my rabbit. Like, I'll take a picture of my rabbit, and he always seems like, like, I don't know. He looks different in the picture. It's very weird. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Human eyes see things much differently than the camera. That's why the best photographers can take pictures of things that look more like what you would expect them to look like or extrapolations of them. That makes sense. Uh, so that yeah. was the Loch Ness monster. That was the big. Uh, I'd say that was like the biggest cryptozoological story uh, of the year. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, because uh, it was not a great year for Bigfoot. I, there wasn't really all that much. Um, you know, we talk about yeah, UFOs. Yeah, there were a couple of crappy videos. Yeah, we talk about UFOs becoming mainstream. Like Bigfoot, it feels like Bigfoot's all, already there almost. Like it's again, it's part of. It's not unlike 10 years ago, if they had done a Bigfoot thing for a Google Doodle, like, people would be like, oh, fuck, it's Bigfoot, holy shit, they acknowledged Bigfoot. <laughs> now it's just like, he's in fucking commercials and shit. Oh, yeah, so the first one the first one I ever saw was that, the beef jerky one with Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't exactly. what brand it was. So, yeah, it was beef jerky. Bigfoot likes beef jerky, apparently. I thought Bigfoot liked Yeah, that's like the big, yeah, that's one like of the biggest that. ones. Blueberry muffins. That was one one person a few years ago was leaving blueberry muffins out for the for the Bigfoot in his uh, that would visit in his yard. So apparently that Bigfoot liked blueberry muffins. <laughs> Weird. Um, yeah, the only thing with Bigfoot I'd say was uh, North Carolina seemed like this weird Bigfoot hotbed. There was like five or six stories that came out of North Carolina uh, with Bigfoot. So I don't know what that's all about, but. Um, Big year for Bigfoot in 2019 in North Carolina. Um, now, speaking of Bigfoot-like <laughs> things, the I guess the biggest Bigfoot story, I thought, uh, this year was uh, – turned out to be a bust, but it was the Indian Army posted pictures that they said – they posted pictures that they said their, their mountaineer team in the Himalayas found Yeti prints. And it was like from the official Indian Army – Twitter account and it seems serious and it I guess I judge sort of the bigness of a story by like does it make the New York Times and shit and like so 
<laughs> like that made the New York Times. And I think Nepal sent a team out, Nepalese army or whatever, guides or whatever, and uh, they said they were bear tracks. But for a couple of days it was like, what the fuck is the – like, what the fuck did the Indian army just do? Like, holy shit, they just – they just said they found Yeti prints. This is crazy, you know? So it was a yeah, weird, well, like... a couple of years ago... Yeah. Go ahead. A couple of years ago, no, the Chilean army said that, that, that... Okay. The Chilean army said that they, they shot a video of a UFO, and it turned out it was a regular airplane taken off from the airport. Uh, and we talked the about that on the year in review, like yeah. 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 So it's not that like... That was like in January, and we were... Yeah. yeah. It was like in... January, it's not like a military that. group means automatically means something is accurate or true or whatever. Right. They can make um, mistakes too. And as somebody exactly, told me, people yeah. people in in positions of power can make can have just as dumb ideas as regular people. <laughs> I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that was like it was pretty cool. I I think uh, I appreciate the absurdity of it uh, more than anything. Um, now I guess to loop back to what I was kind of preaching about earlier, I think you can kind of see it a little bit in this year. Maybe it was just because I had my eye on a whole bunch of other stories as this UFO thing kind of delved into granular uh, topics, but it seemed like. It, Maybe the popularity of UFOs, it seemed like it was just sort of an upswing and a rising tide lifts all ships. Because, like, between yeah. the, you know, there's an environmental study on fucking Loch Ness Monster, and uh, we'll get to it later. But, like, they reopened the Dyatlov Pass case. And uh, the next story we have. I love that. Is, uh, I know, it's the best. Um, the next story we have is that uh, National Geographic put together an expedition. Uh, helmed by Robert Ballard, who discovered the Titanic wreckage, uh, to look for Amelia Earhart. She's still, Mm -hmm. this is, uh, I think in the last, like, two or three years, that's the story's kind of, seems like it's gotten more attention than... Yeah, that that story's gotten, like, a gruesome legs in the last couple of years. I noticed, like, every couple of months, you've got another story about Amelia Earhart, Bones found. No, they weren't bones. Or uh, they found a shoe, right. and now, now it's uh, now they there's a picture of her in a Japanese prison camp. But you know, and none of them panned yeah, out. Yeah, that was a bust. Yeah. The National Geographic people, National Geographic people actually did, have they got out there yet? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the gist of what happened to, to to do the for the review part of the year in review. So they yeah, it was an all encompassing expedition a sea and land expedition to this island yeah. where uh, Rick Gillespie of Tigar, they're pretty much the main driving force on the search for Amelia Earhart. Um, they've narrowed it down to this. Yeah, they're uh, they're, they're uh, a, 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 a aviation, like forensic experts. Right, right. Um, so one of the, fi- <laughs> I'll do some inside baseball. One of the only people ever to turn down, uh, an appearance on Banal of America. So I tried to get the Tigar people on, and uh, I was told, thanks, but no thanks, So, which huh. is surprising. Yeah, I you think they didn't want to be – Who the hell are you? Yeah, they didn't want to be tied in with the para- – they must have saw that I was uh, into the paranormal, and they didn't want any part of it, but who knows? That was that was like <laughs> years and years ago. Um, so, yeah, so Tigar, they think that they found uh, – I just want to get the location right – Nika. 
Nukumaro in the Pacific Ocean, it's an uninhabited island. Um, so they think it was there. So th- essentially they had a two-pronged thing. Uh, Robert Ballard didn't find anything. Um, but what's interesting, this is really, uh, if anything, this probably should have been like the top story of the year as far as like uh, post-UFOs. Uh, this is really cool. If you're a fan of the Amelia Earhart story, this was like the coolest story uh, of the year, I thought. So for years, there was supposed to be these bones they found on that uninhabited island, and uh, they were studied by yeah. some expert uh, like five years later or whatever where they were found. And Isn't over like the course Island of history, like yeah, 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 Island Island. Um, so the bones were lost. Somewhere along the way, so they were they became apocryphal bones, <laughs> essentially. Um, but then during this during this National Geographic special, they found uh, they think they found the bones, and it like like in a fucking shelf uh, on a shelf at a museum. Um, in I forget what the name. Those islands are part of some kind of chain, uh, archipelago or something. Uh, Micronesia. Something like that, yeah. Um, so in a museum in one of those places. So they've got those bones. So they they may have found the bones that were lost like 50 years ago. So that's a pretty yeah. awesome development. Uh, and they're supposedly like DNA testing them now. And they have a legit like uh, scientist from Flor- from some major university in Florida, I think. Uh, what are they matching? reconstructed like the bones. Okay. What are they matching it to? Like, you know, um, relatives or something? Or did they have some other, like, her hair from somewhere? What are they matching it to? I think they'll match it to some kind of, like, gene, like a relative, like how they do the genealogy thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. That would be my guess. But I have no idea. That That's how I would do it. Yeah, yeah. She had, <laughs> but, I don't think she had ever had any children or anything, but she had a sister and, you know, her family's still around. So. Yeah, Ancestors. so I think we... We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? But what's interesting is, now that got all the press this year, which was rightfully so. It was a big TV special, uh, you know. But what caught my eye is that there also is a competing, I wouldn't say competing, but there's a second line of inquiry <laughs> where this guy thinks that he found the crash site near Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea, I think, is the, is the island nation. I was trying to remember. Maybe not. But an island near there, um, he thinks he found the wreckage. And what nobody, nobody reported on that I saw anywhere, except for a local newspaper around in Papua New Guinea, was that uh, – let me see. This is March. So he announced in January they had found the crash site, and they had uh, set up a dive to go look there, and uh, they canceled the dive uh, in March over an issue with a local politician. This is all just in the local paper in Papua New Guinea, but it said in order – this is – I'm reading my own writing here from the Coast website. So in order to permit further expeditions at the site – this politician called for greater transparency as to where money is being spent and then added a rather curious detail that may raise some eyebrows. This is a quote. 
They must also provide DNA results of hair and bone fragments taken from the wreck. So uh, that kind of when I read that in the Papua New Guinea newspaper, I was like, "What the fuck?" So apparently, <laughs> either he's misinformed, and they kind of gave that impression. They're like, "Well, we need to read this guy in on what's going on. Maybe he thinks that." But it was very interesting. So there's rumors. I guess the best way to put it is there's rumors of remains found at this competing site. So who knows? Uh, to tie it all kind of in together a little bit to what we talked about already, uh, one wonders if we may see something in the next year or two where some kind of, there's some kind of DNA, not necessarily an ultimate solution, but something like the giant eel, where it's like, okay, this... You know, we maybe they'll find some kind of DNA answer to this. That's kind of my hope. But who knows? Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, 10%, I mean, that's that's, uh, that's starting to get a little – there's a lot of people that share 10% of their DNA. So. Where would you hear 10%? What do you mean? Oh, for some reason I thought you said they were try, trying to match up with at least 10% accuracy or something like that with the DNA. Sorry. No, 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 no. I don't know what they're doing as far as that goes, but uh, no, no, no. The, also, hair and bone and all that doesn't really survive underwater if they're diving a wreck. I mean, that, that, that stuff deteriorates pretty quickly underwater. Not quickly, but yeah, I don't know why this guy thinks that. Right now. Oh, I know what you say. He, thought, he, he wants to know where the money is being spent, not 10%. Uh, oh, okay. So okay. It's a, it, it's, it sounds like it could be some kind of like he's heard that, that rumor or whatever, but Either way, I guess the point was that there may – essentially, if you look back on it, it sounds like there were there, – there are remains now have been found in two spots possibly. So there, but let, yeah. maybe those, those will be tested presumably, and who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe one of them will match up and we'll get some kind of answer at least like where – where they, where where she would would last, you know, where she crashed or whatever. Right. So okay. You know, well, New Guinea is hundreds, if not thousands, of miles from Howland Island. So I don't know where they're yeah. looking or what what relevance it has because she was last heard from near that island, not near New Guinea. New Guinea is a lot further uh, east. I'm sorry, west of uh, those islands. I think I'm I'm almost certain of that. So whoever. <laughs> Whoever's looking around New Guinea, they must have some really wacky theory. Yeah, I don't know what. Uh, oh wait, hold on now. I may have hold uh, it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure because yeah, I don't know exactly where. Uh, yeah, it says Buka Island near Papua New Guinea, so who who knows? I don't know the. Uh, it's still it's still really far away from from the middle of the South Pacific, which is where supposedly she went down. It's the last place they heard her heard from her uh the radio yeah i don't know i don't know i have to look into that that's weird yeah i don't know why he would think that yeah. yeah he could be taken for a ride it said he got tipped off on it by someone a corrections officer around he, he might have just gotten like taken for a ride so, <laughs> you know yeah the guy might have been like oh yeah yeah, yeah you're not gonna believe it so uh <laughs> and now he's like digging around some actual plane crash that has nothing to do with uh and that's why there's <laughs> that's why there's hair and fucking bone fragments because like the plane crashed like in 2006. Yeah, well, it's a pretty unique airplane she had. It was a 
can't remember what it's called, a Lockheed something star. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it was a very distinctive looking airplane. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it was made. It was made. It was modified specifically for her with like more gas engines and everything balanced right so that she could fly and all that. So. Yeah, it was like a super yeah. uh, specially designed, one of a kind uh, thing. Yeah, I well, think they, I talked they, about they this filled, last year. They filmed a lot of the fuselage with fuel, and the, there was more room for fuel, so they could go longer distances. And you know, there's, the engine was modified. Engines were modified, and it had a very sophisticated radio system in it that even you know. Military planes didn't have them yet, and stuff like that. It was it was uh, very highly it was it was state of the art for the time. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, so they would be able to know right away uh, what it was. You know what else was on the plane that no one ever talks about is uh, Fred uh, fucking Noonan. I always I, that's sort yeah. of my bailiwick. No one. It's like oh, the search for Millie Earhart. <laughs> Fred Noonan was in the plane, too. Yeah. No one ever talks about Fred Noonan. It's like, dude, what the fuck? He was – whatever happened to them, happened to them both. Like, just because she was a super yeah. celebrity, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'd like to see – so I'm sure Fred. someone has written a book on just Fred Noonan. It's like, jeez, poor guy. Fred, the forgotten <clears throat> uh, missing – yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Blurry – Blurry picture of him with you know with with, with Amelia or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, standing in the background uh, looking over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, filling up the plane while she's like <laughs> getting interviewed by the Talk local newspaper press. and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, all right. So yeah, I mentioned this also. This so this started out as a big story and turned into a bit of a bummer, but we'll see if uh, there's some resolution in 2020, um, which we, uh, Greg loves the case. I do too. Dyatlov pass. That's another case that's really grown legs in the last few years. Um, And this year was the, I want to say 60th anniversary. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me. So, but nonetheless, it was the, yeah, I think it was the 60th anniversary. And so, this was kind of cool. Pass expert on on the coast though. Yeah, I'm like obsessed with it. So I, I like, uh, I pretty much document anytime anything happens with the Atlas Pass. I I write about it. Uh, maybe maybe write about thumbnail it for, the coast, it for, for people for the three people that don't know what you're talking about. Ah, yes, good point. Uh, so back in 1959, so it was the 60th anniversary. Um, nine hikers went into uh, the Ural Mountains. This was like a popular thing to do uh, for Russian um, youths, college kids and stuff. Uh, recreation Oops. was like a big thing. Yeah, so. Yeah, um, it was the so, middle of the winter, too, and they're Russian. So, like, yeah, let's go camping. Right, exactly. So it's not like some completely unheard of, like, thing to do, per se. But so, you know, I think other kids were doing it. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, there were mountaineering clubs and shit. So they they went out into the into the Ural Mountains, and essentially uh, something happened. No one knows what it was, and all nine of them uh, died. And there's, like, all kinds of – it's a whole rabbit hole case. Like, once you start going into it, um, there's all kinds of weird – all kinds of weird elements to it. Um, and so – no one knows what killed these people. 
and this was the 60th anniversary. Uh, a few years ago, there was a, two well-researched books came out from American authors on uh, Dyatlov Pass, and that was kind of that was I don't know if it was from them or if they were kind of had their had their sort of finger in like zeitgeist, but it was like since then over the last like three or four or five years, it's sort of gotten bigger and bigger, and more people are hearing about it. And it's it's sort of like reaching that stage now where uh, you know it's being featured sort of in in pop culture in various ways and stuff like that. So uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Not unlike the DB Cooper and the, case, and is like that too. Yeah. There's so many weird things about the case, like you know supposedly that some of them ran out of the tent like with hardly any clothes on, and others were found right. like you know down the hill, and they you know it's just they all did these incredibly weird things. Which people do sometimes when they get hypothermia, but it doesn't explain everything that happened around that camp. Yeah, nothing. It's kind of like we were talking about about trying to find an answer. Like, no, no one answer seemingly accounts for like all the weirdness of it. The injuries, the, the yeah. injuries were all like really fucking weird, um, you know. So, uh, so the big thing was uh, to sort of the give you a little had injuries. Look, Not all of them were injured. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, some of them were dead, so I, I assume they were injured somehow. I get. Do you count? Well, some freezing to showed death. Showed evidence of yeah, yeah. It showed evidence of of trauma, and the others just froze to death. So they don't know what happened. Right, right. But some of them had like really weird broken bones. Is the is the real? Yes. Yeah. Thing that was like like that don't make sense. Like kind of like that don't make sense. I guess. Um, but like I said, it's a whole rabbit hole. People need to really dig into it. Um, yeah. Uh. So the gist of it is to give people kind of an idea, look at how the sausage is made. So I got up on the Friday uh, in February, I think it's like February 2nd or 1st, um, that was the 60th anniversary. And I had planned all week because I'm a huge Dyatlov Pass fan. So I'm like, I'm definitely doing this story, you know, I'm definitely doing a story here on the anniversary. So I sat down to start writing it, and I'm like, well, let me just look around and see if anybody uh, – has written about it yet, so I don't, you know, tread over the same ground or anything. And so then I Googled it, and then all of a sudden uh, all the Russian news sites were saying that uh, the Russian the government has reopened the Dialov pass case. So that was like, what the fuck? That, that was my, that was my <laughs> UFO, UFO Google, Google doodle, doodle moment. I was like, what the that, fuck? This that, is crazy. That, Holy yeah, shit. It was, it was your, it was your Tic Tac for this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, whoa, wow, this is unheard of. Um, so they essentially said that they were only going to look at like the prosaic possibilities. Um, uh, but that they were going to do a whole comprehensive, super, super in-depth uh, examination of the case. Uh, they were going to be like, they were going to take each person individually and do a whole fucking, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what, if this really would help or not, if it was just sort of for show, but like a forensic analysis of each person's psychological profile to see how they would react in these situations and shit. So they promised a lot of things. Um, the, the part where it became a bummer is like, that's the last we heard about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's been no, they're not like the U S press or, or the government, I guess, cause there's been no 
talk of of Dyatlov Pass. I think there was one story like in April that a media group went out to Dyatlov Pass with the inspectors or whatever investigators, and they flew a drone over the area. And like the, the real newsworthiness of it, I guess, is just like if you're into Dyatlov Pass, it was like a really unprecedented cool look at like what the actual area looks like. Yeah. Which is like desolate and snowy mountain, essentially. Yeah, and they but went that's in like it. December so. or January or some ridiculous time like that in the in the middle of the winter out on this this nice hike out in the, out in the mountains. Yeah. So. That's, that's right that was it. Too. The other thing. Uh, the yeah, the the drone footage was really good, and there this happened this year. Uh, the BBC. I link. I shared this on Twitter, and people like went crazy for it. People really love the Dyatlov Pass case. I find um, it's really. Didn't getting, somebody really make like a, a role playing game out of the out of it too? I, I would. I would believe that. I would definitely believe that. I think there was, uh, there was like a role playing game that somebody made with as much information they could possibly have, and you could like wander around the campsite and see what people were doing, where they were going, and. You know, try and try and forensically put it together yourself. But that, that that was a story for a hot second there somewhere during during all this. And it, I think it was this year when that happened. So. Uh, well, I know a Russian website made an awesome interactive website, uh, like a like a oh, standalone interactive thing. Yeah, that might be it. Okay, yeah, yeah, where you yeah, retrace the steps. It was the interactive in. site. Yeah, I think there is video. I think it is like. Worked into video games now and shit though, but uh, and I'm sure there's been movies, either outright fictional movies about it or based on it. Uh, yeah, but they got to be in yeah, the they made it, uh, produced in Russia and we never heard of it. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's I made that point because uh, there was this year, 2020, uh, the BBC, I think it came out at the end of the year, but they wrote uh, a, a super long article, uh, like I said, I shared it on Twitter and people went nuts for it, um, on Dyatlov Pass, where they interviewed all these people. You heard me talk about this on Coast. So it's like, you've probably heard it before, but the, yeah. they interviewed all these people, yeah. including uh, Dyatlov's sister, who she didn't really have all that much information sort of to give, but if you're interested in like the perspective of the people who were there at the time, it was, like, it was this incredible tragedy and this great mystery, and they were kind of like put off by the government to just shut up and not ask questions about it. Um, yeah. But it's was just interesting to, to learn. Um, but, yeah, and it also interviewed like a bunch of people who were lived in the village nearby and shit. And the, I guess the rumor at the time, the talk of everybody around, was that it was some kind of weapons thing, which is the theory I'm kind of most – that I most believe. But Really? Uh, what? what? What led you to that? I think all the people who, the, all the people who kind of thought that and and that well, I kind of solidified the idea. But the, the fact that it was like, seemed like there was some kind of cover up at work. That if it was like a natural thing, they would have figured it out and explained it by now. So like, there's something they can't, there's something they can't tell us. So yeah, you know, short of the UFO or Yeti theory. Uh, the only other thing that makes sense is is uh, is some kind of weapons test, and that would make the most sense of why the Russian that? government would like not want anyone to talk right. about it. 
Well, Whether that's yeah, the exactly. case or not. Otherwise, be, yeah, exactly. Either that or the, other that. Other than that, they would say, we don't know. We don't care. Right. Well, like the outlaw sister said, like if they just went out camping and messed up and, and died, like they would have just – like the, the, the highest re- – yeah, the highest reaches of the Russian government wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten involved at the time, which they did apparently. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there was some yeah. kind of cover-up. So that's that's kind of why I lean toward that uh, the weapons mm-hmm. test theory. Um, right. Yeah. Let me see what else we yeah, got. I'll okay. Do so that now. Cooper. There's not much to say on this one, but if you're an old school paranormalist, you'll like that. Uh, like uh, crop, there was a crop circle flap in France. Essentially, um, most of them are fake. Uh, we know this because part of the flap was like the there was a crop circle showed up essentially this is a super boiled down version but like a crop circle showed up in france now traditionally crop circles show up all the time uh in it's called crop circle season for people who aren't aware so crop circles in show summer, up in england yeah. like yeah throughout the summer it's a big thing it's like um so the idea of like like there's nothing like it's earth shattering about a crop circle showing up. I guess it's the you know it, unfortunately that they, they no one's like look twenty this could happen this could be like 2020 dude people could start all it takes is for like two or three people in fucking Nebraska to make a crop circle and it gets uh, you know international headlines and you're gonna start seeing crop circles all over the fucking place all summer so <laughs> I. Uh, I don't think that'll happen, but that's, I'm telling you that's how, that's how it could be done. So if people listening in Nebraska want to start a crop circle flap, you know, make one in, in May and watch and, and see a whole bunch of them <laughs> pop up all over the place. So that's essentially what happened in France. Like one crop circle showed up, uh, then a couple more, and then it like exploded. And a big part of it was like, and the part of why we know it's fake, some of them, is that the – there, some of them were made by college kids in, col- in, in college classes with college professors. Uh, there was geometry lessons. They, they got, like, permission from, you know, farmers or whatever, and so they acquired the spot, and then they built – they made a crop circle using the Doug and Dave yeah. technique, I assume. And then, you know, then That's told – you know, they, they, they didn't lie about it. or works or, really well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm sure it's a fantastic lesson. To, you know, they probably designed it on the computer and then went out and made it with compasses and strings and boards and shit, and I could totally see that happening. And then, like I said, uh, I think if anything, they kept quiet for like a day or so, and then they told the newspaper, like, oh, we we did it as part of our geometry class. And then once one college did it, you know, a whole bunch of other colleges thought it was a cool idea, and they incorporated it into their lesson plans. And next thing you know, they were like, there was a shitload of crop circles in France. Mm-hmm. Um, a married blood. I didn't count them, but I'd say the remarkable part was like I did look. Crop Circle Connector is the website. They track all these crop circles, and uh, yes, I would yeah, say every year. Yeah, the drones, the people who 
The drone people are amazing. They do amazing drone videos of these crop circles. Um, but I'd say I looked, I tried to do the math on it, but it's not a perfect science. But it turned out like every year up until this year, like it was either one or two crop circles found in France. And then this year, I'd say there are at least a dozen, if not like 15 or more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, I don't know, like I said, I don't know how significant it is, but it kind of was indicative of, like I said, if somebody wanted to start a crop circle flap, all it would take is like one or two to happen here and everybody would fucking start doing it. Yeah. Oh, no, it, quite complicated ones can be made by groups of people in, in a few hours. And I, I did a lecture on it once, but I got everybody mad at me. And I even showed them a video um, from a TV show where they, uh, a group of people were, were you know, given, given like four hours in the middle of the night to make a crop circle. They, they made, with like four people, they made a pretty elaborate one. So what do you think if you got like 10 people and you've been doing it for a while? They can make pretty, pretty elaborate uh, crop circles, beautiful ones. And as we said before, that, you know, I, um, any explanation for it doesn't take into account everything. And, you know, probably a majority of them are done by people. But, you know, what about the ones with like pieces of <laughs> like um, uh, 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 iron ore in them and stuff like that and the um, – uh, some of them have changes, like they've been exposed to microwaves or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, um, the physical studies you know, of them are fascinating because there are some that, yeah, yeah there are I some mean, physical studies where it's like, that doesn't sound like someone with a board could have fucking, yeah, altered the DNA yeah, of the fucking I mean, thing. there's, there's, I, I talked to one guy that was doing it, he said, I said, what about the exploded, like, nodes? He goes, you step on them, that's what happens. They have air in them. So... <laughs> It's not from oh, heat. It's just, yeah. from stepping, just from stepping on them in a lot of cases. Or, you know, you step on them and then it gets exposed to the sun and they've already been disturbed. They've already been, you know, broken or or, or uh, cell walls or whatever has been compromised. So the, the sun heats them up because they don't, they're not growing properly anymore. Or, um, and it, it uh, makes it look even weirder. And if they, if they didn't get destroyed, they could actually start growing in another direction just by getting bent. Um, so there, there's all kinds of yeah, things that are explainable so, yeah. with them, but not everything. It's all people always say, "Oh, then it's explained." Um, and it's funny when I gave that when I gave that talk, people got mad at me. It's like, well, you know, what do you think? You know, what are you some kind of debunker? I said, no, you didn't listen to me. Weird stuff happens in the circles. It happens to people that come to them, whether they're real or fake or not. And it's a yeah, really there's some people a, that think that like the ones who make it. Some of the people who make them even feel like that they're channeling shit to yeah the, you know they channel they the see, design they see stuff while they're yeah they see stuff while they're making them and i don't think they're, they're they're a big collusion to make everybody think that i've talked to people that don't even know each other that have told me the same thing so you know it's a lot bigger phenomenon than people think it is it's not just people stopping on stuff with boards and it's not just you know this huge mystery and it's not aliens although you know whatever but it's just it's, yeah. it's a uh, it's a very complicated uh, subtle uh, field of uh, inquiry, and so it, it, to me, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it, real, fake, or not, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool, you know, uh, subject. I agree. I agree. It's uh, like I said, I, 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 it should be appreciated by the old school types in a sense. It's uh, some of these. Other, worth mentioning is also there was, uh, there was a weird cattle mutilation case, like in the Pacific Northwest, that got. A slight bit of press, uh, 
but it didn't like well, it was a cattle result it was in a any bunch flapper. Of them, actually, no, there were a bunch. Uh, of well, them. a bunch of cattle got mutilated, but it was one case. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It was oh, like okay. one farm. I, okay, I thought it was one than, farmer. Yeah, I thought it was more like than one. Case. Well, just this one case got a lot of press. I don't know if. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't yeah, see many other. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, because the guy like came forward and the sheriff was like, "I've gotten all these crazy theories for what happened and shit," and then people were like, "Oh, tell, tell me more." So. Um, <laughs> and again, like yeah, next thing you know, it was in like New York Times and shit. So. Uh, the other, the last sort of big story, uh, news story, uh, talked earlier about the outlaw past becoming more popular. Uh, D.B. Cooper's kind of seen an up, upswing in popularity. I think uh, people are kind of looking for new mysteries. Everything old is new again, but, you know, people are kind of looking for new mysteries in a sense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'd like to see the fucking spontaneous, I said this before on the show, spontaneous human combustion. I want to see a comeback from that. It's been over a year now since we've had a case. So we need we need another SpawnCom case. And also Bermuda Triangle. That's like what, the Outlaw Pass is really popular now. D.B. Cooper's pretty popular. Bermuda Triangle, no one, you know, no one's talked about it in years. So uh, I don't know much about so the, the Cooper case, but the, the guy you said that died, Robert... Rack straw, which sounds like a, a name that came out of Scooby Doo's mouth, but yeah, he um, Robert Rackstraw, George, um, or or uh, Astro. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I heard him. Uh, I heard the guy talking about him on coast, like some like police uh, investigator guy who'd gotten totally obsessed with the case. And the way he yeah, yeah, he's it, sure that's, that's the, the guy. guy. Oh my God, that's the guy. You know, his, he presented a really. Cool, Sounded like a pretty good case that this guy Rackstraw was DB Cooper. It just never got caught. But then he died this year, so uh, without being yeah, prosecuted. Yeah, so that's that's the story. He died pretty much, and um, there the so I guess it's kind of a dead he end. He down here. Yeah, he was from like the LA I San think, Diego area. Uh, San yeah, Diego, yeah. I think. And he was um, on a he was like living on a boat like in Marina del Rey for a while and stuff like that. Well, the guy who investigated him, who you're talking about, I forget his name, but he was like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, Robert Rackstraw wasn't going around like. <laughs> the reason why we even know Robert Rackstraw's name is because of the guy who was who, who uh, you know, who, who fingered him as the as the D.B. Cooper suspect. So where he goes from here, I don't know. But he posted somewhere that uh, the that this Rackstraw guy, either to take advantage of the fact that he had had made him famous as D.B. Cooper or uh, because he was D.B. Cooper was, uh, I mean, this is what the guy claims that like he was trying to cut a deal with like the history channel or something to, to come clean finally and admit it. But that's, it's kind of like, but classify that under heavy rumor. So unless, unless the dude's family comes out now and says, I mean, Unless they would get in trouble for, like, harboring a fugitive or something, I would appreciate it if they would come out and be like, yes, he was the guy, and case closed. Or, or, I mean, even if they say no, it'll, it'll, it'll be a stalemate. So, um, yeah. you know, unless they, unless they say something, uh, there's not much more they can really do about it. Yeah. So. Who else, who else passed away this year? That's the one category we haven't gotten to yet. Yes, yes. Uh, now, I talked a lot about uh, – I talked and wept 
a lot about uh, my friend Stan Freeman. He passed away, obviously, uh, this year back in May. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's not much more that I need to say about him. He was, he was, he was just the man. I love the guy. So, um, do you have anything? We, we hung out with Stan uh, up in Canada. So, and you, you it's funny yeah, you. you I- met him a bunch of times just like me when I talked to Aaron on the show he was talking about how he he only met Stan the one time that we were with him in Canada and was like geez I'm fucking lucky man I got to hang out with Stan like four or five times I at least met him so it was pretty cool but yeah. any, any, I'm sure you have many memories of Stan but any thoughts on passing a Stan what any thoughts what on the passing of Stan Oh, yeah, I've seen, I, the first time I met him, I think, was at uh, uh, Paul Kimball's um, first uh, conference there. The Oh, God, I can't remember what he called it. He's going to kill me now. But um, New, New Frontiers Conference, I think. And this was like in 2007 or six. so I met him really late, late on. But he knew that I knew Bill Moore, and him and Bill had a, like a falling out, and they never really reconciled. So every time I'd see him for a while, he'd say, you know, please tell Bill to call me and uh, I'd like to talk to him again. And, and uh, it never happened. Um, but then after I'd seen him at like, you know, five or six conferences, he actually remembered my name, remembered who I was. And the very last conference that I saw him at last, last, this last year was Alien Snowfest, which is actually coming up again the sixth weekend. But he spoke at that and I was sitting at a table with another person that passed away, Rosemary Ellen Diley. And yep. Stan got up from his table, and because I kept trying to talk to him, and there's always people who want to talk to Stan Friedman. I mean, why not? He's Stan Friedman, or was Stan Friedman. He actually came up and walked over to the table where we were and said hi and asked how Bill was. And I was like, wow, Stan got up and came over to talk to me. I felt like, I felt like the luckiest boy in the world. And he was always really, <laughs> you know, whether I agreed with him about stuff or not, because, you know, he, he hung on to a bunch of MJ-12 and Roswell stuff that I thought was, oh, yeah. was pretty much disproven, you know, which was fine. But the thing is, if he disagreed with you, he wouldn't, he, he would never, you know, he, he was always a gentleman about it. He'd always, you know, he would, he would not stoop to calling names or calling somebody stupid or, you know, laughing at them or anything like that. He was just, he would just relentlessly talk to them, whether he's right or wrong or not. He kept it on a, he kept, he kept the debate on a civilized gentlemanly level, which is, you know, more than you can say for a lot of UFO researchers. So, plus he popularized the, the, uh, the subject for what? Probably longer than anybody else in the history of ufology at this point. Yeah. He was the best. He, uh, so, he represents to me sort of like, like I said, that this thing's kind of changed into like TTSAology. He was kind of like, uh, there's nothing more symbolic than of, of the sort of changing of the guard of what, what the subject of ufology is than than the passing of Stan. It was like that era is over. Like whatever that era was, it's like, or at least it's in a slumber now. But things have changed, you know, yeah. to a tremendous he degree. He refused to say, yeah, he refused to say um, to stop saying flying saucers. He's like, that's what they called them when I was started in this, and I'm going to keep calling them that. I thought that was actually really cool. <laughs> no political correctness for Stan. He's going to call them flying saucers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've laughed. I've laughed multiple times we, when we did the Stan tribute episode. Uh, Aaron Gullius he confessed that uh, he like 
like it's like nails on a chalkboard for him whenever Stan would say apologist ufologist because even though it sounds right it it's like grammatically incorrect <laughs> incorrect so now every time every time i think about apologist ufologist I'm like, it reminds me of Aaron uh pointing out that it should be an apologizing ufologist <laughs> so he's like but i i wasn't the i wasn't the marketer that Stan <laughs> Stan was yeah, but, you're yeah, he was. The, Nobody's he was going to care about apologizing. You follow just that just doesn't work. It doesn't have the uh, it doesn't have the uh, 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 gospel preacher's zing that apologist ufologist has. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so we could we could wax poetic about Stan. I think everybody who has been in the field for a long time and was in traveled in the same circles and shit. Uh, you know, for the most part, everybody has their haters, but uh, most folks really love the guy. So, um, you know, and we're going to miss miss him an awful lot. Uh, yeah. But we all had such great times with him, so that's kind of what we can remember. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, I interviewed her on the show back in the day, but um, we never really crossed paths all that much. Now, you were pretty, you got pretty close with her uh, in the last few years, right? In the last year, um, before that Alien Snowfest thing, she wrote me about a month or two beforehand. She said, I have a pass. Do you want it? I was like, me? Why me? Because um, I had barely talked to her before that. We'd done one show. We'd done, you know, we had, and we'd had a couple of phone calls. That was it. And she, had, she said, I'll give, you know, I got a pass for this thing if you want to come down to it. I was like, okay. So I ended up hanging out with her and sitting at her table. And David Weatherly was there, the Bigfoot uh, guy. Um, among other things, you know, also known as the Black Eyed Kids guy. Um, yeah. But I hung out with her there, and then about a week or two later, her and her husband, um, Joe, every winter they'd come out and stay out in the desert with Joe's brother, her brother-in-law, in this nice house in Desert Hot Springs. And she said, I want to write a book about the, the Integratron and the, and the big and giant rock. And she said, do you know anybody who could help me with that? I said, well, damn straight I know people up there in the desert. So I take, took her out to visit uh, my friend Barbara Harris, who's a, basically the historian of Giant Rock and, uh, and the Integratron, mostly Giant Rock. Anyway, so I, I pretty much spent the better part of two or three days just tooling around the desert with her and talking with her and having lunch. And we had a nice fancy dinner all together, her and her husband and Barbara and her husband and I out there in the desert at this at a French restaurant that's out in the middle of the desert. It's amazing. It's a great place. And I got to know her really well. And she was, she was one of the, if you could combine like the sharpest person in the world and the nicest person in the world, that was, that's how she, that's what I thought of her. As. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, people, she, no, people loved her. Man. No I, sentimentality. I, I felt like I missed she, out. She was a nice person, but yeah, she, she wouldn't stand for BS. Um, and she was very focused and knowledgeable about what, what she wrote. And she, don't, um, you know what? I think she's the only person in the paranormal books field that has written more books than Nick Redford. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a lofty, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She, I got I got a real sense of of loss when she passed. Like, uh, yeah, a part of me was like uh, regretful. Like I said, I had her on the show, but I never really, we didn't really, we never really like hung out or, or crossed paths at con. I don't think I ever actually met her, um, which is funny because I go to all kinds of events and shit, but 
we just never were at the same yeah. event or anything. But people, yeah. yeah, people really fucking, really uh, took that one hard. Yeah, well, they should have. She was, she was an amazing person. Yeah, absolutely. She was totally unexpected, you know, for everybody. Cause I think she knew she was sick, but she didn't say anything. I think she knew she was when I was hanging out with her. And, I was, and then later I'm wondering, why did she want to write a book knowing that she might not make it? And I just thought, I think she was just going ahead with life. You know, and that to yeah, me that, that was sense. like it was kind of heart heartbreaking and also kind of inspiring to know that she was doing that. So um, you know, I, I felt lucky that I got to know her fairly well in the last like you know in the last few months of her life. Before that, I don't yeah. matter. I'd gone out to dinner with her once at a UFO convention with her and like three or four other people, and we just cracked jokes about stuff and talk shit about people, which is what people do when they get together with these things. <laughs> Well, what struck me about her her work was uh, how prolific she was. Uh, I really have a real appreciation for people that can do all these different fields. And her, Nick, Brad Steiger, like yep. they're some of the they were like the creme the creme de la creme when it came to you know not just being able to talk about this shit, but actually like write books on yeah. UFOs, Bigfoot, the afterlife. I think all three of those folks, uh, Nick, uh, Rosemary, and Brad Steiger, put out books on all those different subjects. It's like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, she had whole encyclopedias of witchcraft and demonology, and it's like, wow. I mean, she had an, she wrote encyclopedias because she had an encyclopedic knowledge of these things. And like I said, All very right, uh, we're gonna down hit, to earth uh, type hope. person. So. Uh, we're going to hit the hour mark. You can go a little while longer, right? Yeah, I can go a little while longer. I do have to work right, post we, tonight. <laughs> I know. Well, we still have to. We'll do a quick. We'll do the quick decade in review. Most of them are like, just like, holy shit, that was them. Um, uh, the other folks. Uh, there was other people that passed away. Some noteworthy ones um, for. BOA listeners, Tracy Twyman uh, was a real, that was a shocking loss, um, and there's a lot of questions surrounding her passing, and I don't want to even dig into it, and I haven't really dug into it, but she was pretty young, and uh, she was into a lot of occult stuff, so anytime uh, something like that happens, a lot of questions get raised, but either way, you know, uh, a big loss to the community. She was, she was incredibly sharp. Like, she was one of the smartest people I encountered in this field, um, you know, just on, a, on like, a visceral level. She was just so yeah. – she knew, like, some really arcane shit. And it was like, holy shit, this, 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 this woman's like – she knows – she can run – she was like – she could run circles around me. I was just impressed by that. Uh, and she was around for a long time. Like, she was, she was around, like, during the Zine era, right, when you were – when, like, you and Go Rightly were kind of coming yeah, around? Yeah, that's what, yeah. That's what I. That's what I uh, started to, knowing who she was. We had some correspondence. I don't even think we might have talked on the phone once. But yeah, I, I think did she do a zine called Dagobert's Revenge? I think was. Yeah, Dagobert's Revenge. Yeah. 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 Dagobell, whatever. But we called it Dagobert's Revenge. Yeah, I remember that zine, and it was it was the genesis of all the stuff you were just saying now, all of her esoteric knowledge and. Um, about the occult and about um, she was very interested in that holy blood, holy blood, holy grail, Renlish uh, uh Yeah, story yeah. As well. 
Yeah, yeah. And a lot of like symbolic symbolism stuff and a lot of like economic stuff. That's what I remember her uh mm-hmm. talking about and stuff. So um an iconic name in the world of ghosts, Lorraine Warren, uh, also passed away. Yeah. Uh she was obviously the an interesting character in a sense, um, you know, kind of of the of the Brad Steigery generation. Um you know, her, uh, Lorraine and Ed Warren, I'm not as, uh, invested in the ghost world, so I can't really give her a proper sort of, yeah, I can't really give her a proper. Their big case was the, uh, Amityville case, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think they had a couple other sort of, like, if Amity was there, Roswell, they had a few other, like, MJ-12s and Betty Hill star maps to sort of (laughs) (laughs) draw the Friedman illusion. Um, and interestingly enough, like they, uh, it's really weird kind of talking about the blue book TV show. Like there's a whole movie horror movie universe, essentially like six or seven movies, all, uh, stemming from the Ed and Lorraine Warren, their career. So like mainstream movies, like, uh, the conjuring, and whatever all the mm-hmm. all the associated movies are with the Conjuring, so uh, yep. yeah, so yeah, they she was immortalized by this this thing, and yeah, it's uh she was to the folks. I, I'd liken it in a lot of ways to Stan because when she passed away, it was like kind of like how all my friends in ufology were like, oh no, Stan. It was like, oh no, Lorraine Warren. Like all the people I know in Ghost World just talked about what an icon she was. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a big, a big time significant, uh, person in the field of ghost research and mm-hmm. stuff. And, yeah. uh, other two people I want to mention for Banal of America listeners, Andre Eglishon. I had forgotten that he passed away this year. Uh, he was on way back in season one, I believe, or season two, really good guy talked about, uh, national security state. Uh, related issues and the economy, I think. Um, yeah. And Marshall Klarfeld, who was like, I'd have to look, but I'd say he had to have been like one of the first five people I ever interviewed uh, for Banal hmm. America. So, yeah. Wow. Very, very good dude. He was into, um, he was, he, I, he was really into like uh, the ancient aliens thing, uh, Sitchin. He was really into the Sitchin thing. Um, I sometimes poke fun at folks who get into it just because, like, they seem to retread on the same stuff that Sitchin already did, um, where it's like you're just kind of re- you're just kind of going back over all the Sitchin stuff. But he he was he loved the Sitchin story and wrote a book. And um, you know, when I was first starting out, uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. He agreed to come on the show. So yeah, he was probably one of the first first five or ten episodes we ever did. So that was pretty like, wow, shit, that sucks. Uh, yeah, so that's those were the names that stood out to me uh, from the past year. So, you know, it's I said to you before we started the show, it's like uh, it, we, we've been doing this for 12 years, and I was going over all the old shows, and it's like if we ever went back and looked at them, it's, we've eulogized pretty much every big person – that's cut, that passed away in the last 12 years, which is like a who's who of of uh, of this field, you know. I was like looking at like John Keel, yeah. Bud Hopkins, 
uh, Art Bell, Jim Mars, Brad Steiger, Stan. Now this year, Stan Friedman. It's like uh, it was just like Jim Mosley. It's like I think everybody. It's just it's crazy. It's really, it's really like mm-hmm. holy shit. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of, like, a lot of people old, we grew up totally on. iconic people. Yeah, some of whom yeah. I got lucky to know, like like Stan and and Keel and 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 uh, Mosley too. Mosley was a, actually a pretty good friend. Um, okay, so generally, traditionally, we do sort of a what's hot, what's not at the end of the year, or I try to make a prediction of some kind. I, I guess it's probably just going to be more UFOs. I think uh, if 2019 was a big year for the paranormal, I'm concerned that 2020. I, I think the I think I think the election is going to suck all the oxygen out of the out of the room. So uh, we'll see if. Kind of, we saw this with 9/11. You know, when the real world comes along, the paranormal takes a backseat. So there's a good chance that yeah, it won't be as as great a year for the paranormal. But you know, who knows? Yeah, not unless uh, some disclosure-ish thing happens that pushes it. You know, push pushes itself back onto the. You know. Maybe it'll be something to do with the election. Maybe there'll be some tie-in with the election. Who knows about that? Because they, they keep saying, "Who's that guy?" That- who is it that said they would? They, they would. Uh, there's always like one candidate that says, "Yeah, I'm going to open up those files." This is one of the Democratic uh, female candidates. Oh yeah, Bernie Sanders said he would like tell people what, uh, you know, what yeah, Joe Rogan or somebody asked else. Him, so. too. Yeah, what, one of the, one of the female candidates also Democrats said the same. Yeah, thing. Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. They, well, there's That's a newspaper it. in New Hampshire that every time they come through, they ask them about UFOs. So they've gotten a whole bunch. Well, they've gotten like four <laughs> or five of them on the record. So. Hopefully they get the rest of them. They have a UFO uh, fanatic on the, on, the, on the staff. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They call it the UFO question. They're like, all right, now we have to ask you uh, the UFO question. So. Um, but, yeah, 2020, I mean, we're just going to see, I assume, you know, more unfolding of this of this uh, Tic Tac TSA story. You know, that's this, it's not over yet. So, so we'll see more of that. Um, no, and I think they have and, another season coming too. So, yeah, TTS uh, the TTSA has another season of their show coming up probably in the summer, or you know, there's yeah. another thing about Blue Book. Another season, Greg just said another season about Blue Book. Uh, that show, you know, UFOs will stay hot. That's pretty much it. Um, I guess the question is, and we'll see, is like how long how long the legs of this tic-tac thing are like if, if does it get burned out or is, or is there going to be more to it or is some other video going to come out? You know, that's kind of, uh, there was a tease that they have the more information on it, but they can't release it. Cause it's, you know, some kind of boilerplate yeah. language that'll be like grave dangers to the country. As long, yeah. as, long like, as it needs ran to be, with it. yeah, as long as, as long as people need to be reminded of it, more stuff will come out. Once they don't need to be reminded of it anymore, if whatever is done is done, then it will quietly fade away. I don't know if it's going to happen this year or next year, but that that was my prediction at the beginning. It's kind of like whatever they're doing when, they're get, when they get done with it, it's not going to be suddenly that nobody's going to talk about it anymore. At least them when they when they either accomplish what they're going to do or just give up. I don't know which. It'll 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 fizzle out and then the the the, the field will go to sleep again for a few years, just like it always does. That's my prediction, but I don't know if it's going to happen this year. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention for 
2019 also was, uh, we talked about some of these other things. Hellier sort of uh, captured the, oh, yeah. the hearts and minds of, of uh, you know, the hardcore paranormal base, I think. So um, an interesting sort of nice new community kind of emerged of people really interested in that case. And, um, you know, uh, it's I, I, I've, I've realized now it's kind of like weirdly polarizing, but uh, I'm friends with the folks who made it, and I'm kind of on Team Hellier in this one. Uh, you know, it's an interesting show, yeah. and it's engaged a lot of people to look at shit that they hadn't probably would have considered more than almost any other uh, thing out there. You know, there are people who are, like, yeah. reading Rebirth of Pan now who never would have even, like, known about it or picked it up or who are looking at the injured yeah. cold thing or, you know, so it's like it's breathed new life in a whole bunch of – Old shit, um, and John Keel, yeah, like Alan a whole book or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a real boon for sort of like, and I mean this like in a as a, as a card carrying member of the community. It's it's a it's been a real boon for sort of the paranormal nerds. Um, you know, the, yeah. the, those of us who who like, who like some, all this weird shit. Yeah, I feel like in some ways they've been listening to Writing Mysterioso for the last ten years. And they've taken everything that we've talked about and all the guests have talked about, and including some of the guests, like, like Alan Greenfield, and made them part of the story. So I should like the show. I've still, I must admit, I've still never seen it, even though everybody's telling me half my friends are saying, this is the greatest thing ever, and the other half are saying, this sucks, which is great. It's so polarizing. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I was surprised. You, the, the polarization came out more like as it was getting closer to the new one coming out and shit. And then people were like, oh, right, this shit right. again. It's like, well, it's good. But I thought it was, <laughs> and especially like made by just some guys and, and a gal, uh, you know, the guys who made it, like the, the filmmaker, um, uh, his name escapes me now. I apologize. Uh, but <laughs> it's just so well professionally made. Um, well, Greg Newkirk's one of the producers. Um, oh, okay, okay. Because I thought he was in it. Um, he is. Yeah, they had, both, the, they had the director Carl, and producer Carl, on post like the other day. Yeah, Carl. Uh, Jesus Christ, Benal. <laughs> I spent so much time. <laughs> Carl, Carl, Carl Pfeiffer. Yeah. Okay. Um, I spent so much time on 2019, my head's full of... <laughs> <laughs> minutia and facts about everything else. But yeah, it's it's incredibly well made is sort of the point. Where I, when I watched it, I'm like, why is this free and online and not like on Sci-Fi or History Channel or whatever? This is that good. No one would bat an eye about it. Um, so I guess to that end, I'll, I'll say I think we'll see more of this. I think, I think more peripheral shit will become popular the, like again, the outlaw passy type shit. I think um, you know the, the the occult is this sort of like I can't put a finger on it. What it's called? This like occult magic. Uh, I mean, you saw it down at Paramania, right? I mean, like there's a definite uh, interest in sort of like this really esoteric angle to all this. Um, so that's pretty yeah. hot, and I think it's going to stay hot in 2020. Yeah, it's going to get more and more um, involved, and it'll probably go in a good direction. And like a lot of these things, a lot of them will go in a stupid direction. That's just the way things work. So <laughs> keep your eyes on the stuff that you think has some value and, and, and support that, and uh, do not engage with the stuff that you think is stupid. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then you know you don't know what's gonna. Like I said, uh, anything could pop up. Some this, there could be a crop circle flap. There, somebody could take a really good video of Bigfoot, and next thing you know, Bigfoot's really hot again. Um, you know, someone will do a yeah. scientific study on something, and, and it'll Bigfoot. be a new. What's that? Protect the Bigfoot. I said, where's where? Yeah, where's the Bigfoot Tic Tac video? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'll be a, there'll be the the Bigfoot Tic Tac video will come out, and then it'll be like, you know, what did you know? And when did you know it, Park Ranger? So, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's always something. Something always comes up. Every the cool part about the job that I have is like, because I'm looking every day, and at the end of the year, you look back, and it's like. Yeah, you can pretty much you can pretty much put a pin in the fact that like with the accession of spontaneous human combustion, which I shake my fist at, every story <laughs> gets a turn in the spotlight every year. So it's like at some point this year there's gonna be something with Amelia Earhart. At some point this year there will be a scientific study on the Shroud of Turin. Like somebody will think they've found the Amber Room. Someone will fucking say they know who Jack the Ripper is. Like, every year without fail, all these stories will come up. So, you know. Yeah. Some of them good, some of them bad. The generally the day on the Jack the Ripper oh, guy, yeah. Well, that's what. Uh, yeah, well, they had a guy that was ta- saying that the. Uh, the what's his name? H.H. Uh, H. H. Holmes was. H.H. Yeah, Holmes, yeah, Holmes was this. Was, was uh was yeah. the, it was Jack the Ripper and he said he like found um uh ships uh, uh ships um uh, uh what's it called the, the the list of passengers and there were like you know five different manifests that uh, that uh, Holmes used throughout his life and they'd be on the like the ship's manifest going to England and back right during the time when and he also said that there was a I can't remember the name of the researcher but he said that there was um. There, there was a uh, there was a strong contingent in uh, Scotland Yard that said that the the, uh, the 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 taunting letter that was written was written by somebody that was trying to sound British but was American. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, we had yeah. Paul Mudgett on the show um, uh, oh, a while right. back. It was, it was his grand his grandson or great grandson or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's an interesting cat. But yeah, so you'll see all that. Yeah. You'll see every 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 uh, weird story gets to turn in the spotlight. So we'll see, uh, and some of them may stick, and some of them, you know, may become uh, bigger stories. We'll see. Well, that's so what on makes that note, so great because you can push you can push uh, anything you want on these stories, and it, it will it will flatter your prejudice about what it might be. So on that note, I went back and I looked at the year in review shows. Um, which is funny because, like, everybody – I saw a lot of talk about the decade and everything, but I didn't see as much decade in review stuff. And even I was like, I don't want to do decade in review. It's it's just too – it's just too much. But I, I went back and looked uh, – so we'll do a quick sort of rundown. We don't need to talk necessarily about them so much as just sort of, like, note them and be like, oh, wow, how about that? And give people an idea. So I went back to, like, the first time we did this, 2007. I actually went beyond the 10. So 2007, year in review case, this is the big stories that year. The O'Hare UFO sighting at Chicago O'Hare Airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor Symington saying that he saw the Phoenix Lights 
He was the Arizona governor, um, and he admitted that he saw the Phoenix Lights after the fact. And the yeah, Roswell after he made fun of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After he after he brought the alien guy out. Uh, sixtieth. So that uh, was it. Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Ninety-seven was fiftieth. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Um, so those were the big stories of uh, two thousand seven. Then two thousand and eight was the Stephenville UFO sighting. So remember that. That we thought yep. that was going to be well, we didn't necessarily think it was going to be anything. I think we said that we used to get accused on the on the show of being too cynical about shit all the time. But that was. That was the that was all the talk of UFOs. That was like the last time UFOs really were big, 2008, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and we complain and about ufology every show. Yeah, pretty much. We complain about ufology. We didn't really complain say, oh, about ufology. Sucks. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it kind of inspired it's, me it's to not do that and, anymore because I realized, yeah. It's changed. I, I thought, okay, let me stop complaining about it and have people on who I think are changing things for the better. And that, uh, instead of complaining about it, it's like, okay, let's cha- let's champion somebody that's doing something different. So that's what I tried to do after that. So that the show's inspired me to do that because people's like, why do you keep complaining about your apology? Like, yeah, why do we? Let me do something different. Yeah, well, that was a different time back then. It was there was a. I, I remember talking about it on the shows and with guests, it was like, there was a real stagnation. There was a real fucking stagnation, yeah, like, like 10 years ago. That was, that was mm-hmm. palpable to the point that the only story I have here for 2009 was, uh, that even what might repeat, was the Google UFO logo. That was like the biggest, there was maybe like another, huh. you know, huh. a, an inconsequential UFO sighting somewhere else in the world. And I think Miguel, that's how I met Miguel. I think it was one of these year in review shows because I was like, it happened in China. No one in America cares about that. And he thought I was being xenophobic. And I'm like, no, I was just, I was just telling you how, well, how people here you, are. I wasn't saying, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking back on 2009. The, this is this. These were the stories that were big. The, uh, there was a Danish UFO file release and a brilliant Brazilian UFO file release that no one. None of us um, remember. There was a big UFO sighting in New Jersey that turned out to be a hoax uh, that must have made national news. Um, how about this? There was a Roswell debris press conference that uh, that I have no recollection of. That was 2009. Me either. Um, I know. Uh, there's an article here that France <laughs> was going to disclose the U- – oh, someone predicted a French UFO disclosure. So, so – for folks uh, on the disclosure wagon, yeah, the, the, not only that they were going to do it, they were going to do it on July 14th. So uh, UFO World was all worked up that France was going to disclose UFOs on July 14th, 2009, and that never happened. Um, and then got, uh, Michael Sala, I'm pretty sure it was Michael Sala in 2009, predicted UFO disclosure on November 27th, and that didn't happen. So for the people who were like, oh, you guys – you guys are fucking cynical, and, you know, this time's for real. It's like, look, at, 10 years ago, two different <laughs> two different people fucking got out there and were like, they're going to disclose the UFO secret on this very specific date, So, and it never happened. So forgive us for, for being cynical about shit. But I don't remember any of that shit from 2009. I don't either. 
Um, and just a testament to how bad it was. So we're going to do the decade now. 2010, the biggest stories were Stephen Hawking warning about contacting aliens. And yep. uh, get this, there was a UFOs and nukes press conference, I assume with Robert Salas and Robert Hastings in D.C. And I assume that was at the uh, National Press Club. So, again, oh, yeah. two stories that I vaguely remember the UFO and nukes press conference. But uh, I neither one of those. That, and that was the biggest stories for 2010 for UFOs. So, it the stag. This is a testament to the stagnation of it. You know, it's funny too. Is I was looking at that, and it's like, how many? How, you look at all the press that UFOs are getting now, right? And it's like, how yeah. many press conferences did they have at that national press club? I want to say at least a half dozen. There are at least a half yeah. dozen different UFO press conferences at the national press club. Yeah. About ten yeah. years ago, and none of them ever got a fraction of the press that, that is happening today with UFOs. So pretty pretty wild how things have changed. Um, yeah, well. 2011, big story. Disclosure petition shot down by the White House. I barely remember that. Apparently there was a disclosure petition. Duh. Um, one of those things, like if you get enough signatures, the White House has to answer um, petitions. And I guess they, like, just put out some goofy non non-response. So, yeah. Again, folks, the that, that was like the biggest UFO story of the year. So, to put it in perspective, when George Stephanopoulos is is hectoring Trump about UFOs, like that's how much this has changed just since 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big story of 2011, little inside baseball, Phil Imbrogno exposed as a, as a not an MIT graduate. Yes. So very, uh, very. That was the other biggest news of the year. So 2012, uh, obviously the biggest news was 2012 was a bust. The big, uh, big 2012 prediction. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and Melba Ketchum did a Bigfoot DNA study that was also uh, kind of a bust. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was 2012. Her thing was like. It, Somehow it came out like it was tied to some other animal, like a weird – it was a whole controversy. And clearly, since it was 2012 and now it's 2020, it was uh, – you know, it didn't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> of course. Uh, 2013, the big story was Ed, Ed Snowden uh, came out and revealed that the NSA was spying on everybody, which uh, – connecting it to sort of our overarching year in review thing – was that you know that that was kind of like a big win for the conspiracy people? It was like oh we finally were uh, told what you know that this is true. Um, it's conspiracy disclosure. Exactly. <laughs> on that note, also 2013 had the citizens' hearing on disclosure, where Steve Steve Bassett gathered up a whole bunch of people and former congressmen, I think, and and yeah. did a yeah and did a, like a a. A fabricated, uh, you know, what a hearing on disclosure would look like. Um, right. And it was a big production, and uh, you know, that was that was kind of what people were all about back then. Uh, was that that form of disclosure? Yeah. yeah, I think he was trying to jumpstart it, kind of like Stephen Greer was with his uh, that project to talk to military people. Yeah, yeah, 
you know, so and if they ever do a disclosure, if they ever do a UFO hearing, it'll be kind of like a big, you know, retrospective win for them. At the time, it seemed kind of silly and theatrical, you know, and over overdone. Um, it actually, you know what? I'll say this: it, he was too. He was Steve Bassett was like five years too early with that move because people now because they're so obsessed with Trump and shit, and, wa- and they watch these hearings. They're going to watch the impeachment thing tomorrow. They're going to be glued to their fucking TV, and they watch these four or five-hour-long hearings when you know James Comey testifies and all these people and shit, that if he did a faux disclo- UFO hearing now, like way more people, it would, it would turn on way more people. He should like re-release that now. <laughs> because people back then... Who the fuck would want to like the whole idea of watching a congressional hearing sounded like torturous, even if it was about UFOs. Yeah. So you know now I'd actually kind of like to see it because I've watched a million fucking hearings in the last like two years, so uh, I'd be more more attuned to it. So if you're listening, Steve, re-release the citizens hearing on disclosure. Um, <laughs> 2014 was the uh, MH370 disappearance. Uh-huh. Which is uh, – I've found from my own sort of taste of, like, the zeitgeist, it seems like MH370, it, it's going – it's in a lull. It's in a, It's in the five-year lull. So uh, give it, like, another four or five years, and it'll kind of become – it'll come back up. But I think it's been exhausted pretty much at this point. People are kind of sick of it. Uh, 2015, Roswell Slides fiasco. Which was oh yeah the, yeah so that was five years ago huh I had a show on that I actually had the Roswell slides people on and I was in that group all yeah you were involved with that story yeah yeah I never got listed in anything though because I didn't do anything because I thought it was a stupid waste of time and it turned out it wasn't it was actually a pretty pretty good waste of time <laughs> and to, to um to, to expose it yeah for sure yeah. And again, I watched, them. I watched it happening. I just didn't, you know, I just sat by and basically had a front row seat and watched it happen. And again, to sort of like, I feel like I'm defending myself in a way, but to sort of like, to to for the people who like weren't around for all this, so they can kind of understand why people are exceedingly cynical about everything that hap- that's happening in ufology right now, uh, is because of of the of the shit we've seen the last ten years alone. You know, sightings that didn't go anywhere, you know, significant sightings that never went anywhere, dozen, you know, half a dozen uh, press conferences at the at the International Press Club or whatever it's called, uh, a whole fake hearing on UFO disclosure uh, that was like really Mm -hmm. well produced. Uh, Someone claiming they had Roswell slides and holding a a big event in Mexico uh, and it all turned to fucking shit within like a day. So just just the, no wonder no wonder anyone who's been in this for a long time is like I don't trust anything. <laughs> I, I've seen all this shit fall apart. So uh, 2016 we had uh, Trump won the election, which kind of crushed. There was this disclosure movement happening with Hillary, so that was kind of the big story. And then uh, this transition to like conspiracies now are mainstream, pretty much, and. Uh, that's kind of like close to where we are today. Yeah. Um, so you can trace that back to like 2016. 
2017, uh, of course, the very end of the year, like two, three weeks before we wrapped up the year, was the big TTSA, uh, AA tip, uh, the article that changed ufology, let's say. So that was... <laughs> That was the biggest story anyone was talking about, and we're still talking about it. So, uh, And there was a Amelia Earhart cable TV special you mentioned before. There was a photo. It turned out it was bullshit. Uh, MUFON fell apart back in 2017 with the crazy comments online. Um, and Sean David Morton, uh, he wound up uh, in jail back in 2017. So, That's right. I went to the trial. And then 2018 was pretty much a lot like this year, uh, TTSA and their influence on ufology and all that stuff. There needs to be some kind of name for whatever the fuck <laughs> for all this stuff, uh, the alphabet souping of ufology uh, yeah, with, with all yeah. these, these things. With the Tic-Tac tic- era. Yeah, yeah, the Tic-Tac era. You got Tic-Tac, TTSA, a tip. It's like too much, yeah. too, too much shit to keep track of, uh, but – yeah, so the, the the alphabet soup of ufology continued. Um, we didn't mention this now, but it conti- this continued in 2019. Pilots reporting UFOs. There were like four or five cases of pilots reporting UFOs this year too, or 2019. So it's uh, uh-huh. that's a trend worth keeping an eye on um, because I do think as as for as cynical as I am, I think we talked about this last year, like. What we need really is like some kind of event, like a, a contemporaneous event. We need something to happen, not like not like a we or whatever, but like if if we, you know, I feel no, like a, something that yes. just happened now instead of you know ten years ago or eight years ago or whatever. Yeah, we need breaking news. We need that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully that'll happen in 2020. And uh, the only other thing was uh, for 2018 was uh, the rise of QAnon, which we're seeing uh, now still. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 2020, you know, it'll be about the election, and uh, you know, history hangs in the balance. We'll see what happens with that. Right. All well, right, man. Well, I'm sorry, I think you wore me out. I'm, I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm worn out. I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of <clears throat> a lot of reporting, and not not as much um, just. Uh, you know, just chatting. So, but that—that's the year in review show. So, anyway, thank you again. Uh, you know, for taking part in this. Twelve years. Someday I'll put this all together in some form or fashion so people can uh, go through the years. But yeah, it was—it was another year. Here's to 2020. That, that was another year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There uh, you go, another year. Um, yeah, I always have fun doing these things, and I'm sorry I wasn't really. Prepared or did so all I did was react, Tim. So um, put, put me put me on uh, put me on notice for uh, leading the next one this next year. Yeah, don't even worry about it, dude. I sent you. I mean, you know, I had to do a whole bunch of reviews on my own for my job. So uh, you know, I was I was already this ha- this, ha- this has happened like the last few years where I I'm over overstuffed with this shit, um, and so I know like all. I'm familiar with all the different little facets of it, so I'm happy to, like, bring all this stuff up. Because usually, like, you forget about these little things uh, at the end of the year where it's like, oh, yeah, that Amelia Earhart thing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. And I hope folks appreciate it and I hope they had a good time. And, uh, you know, who knows? I guess it it is it, exciting in a sense. Every year, looking back on the decade, looking back on the year, like I said, you, you 
so much weird shit happens, but you don't know what's going to – you don't know what the weird thing is that's going to be this year. I didn't even mention, like, one of the years, like, 2016 was, like, creepy clowns. You know, all of a sudden oh, there's yeah. cre- creepy clowns everywhere in 2016. So it's like, who knows what's going to be, you know? It's exciting. I'm catching on yeah. I'm catching on with what the youths are all excited about with this new decade, 2020. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I hope so. Couldn't be any worse in the last few months, so. I I hear you, brother. I hear you, absolutely. All right. Well, on that note, uh, thank you again. I said this at the end of the of the of the Stan Friedman tribute because it was with Aaron and Paul, uh, longtime dear friends, and you know the the Stan thing really kind of hit home in a sense where it's like, I kind of I I said this on that show like I kicked myself at the end of some of those last few shows because I was always end them like I love you man I love you Stan you're the best. And I'm like, geez, what kind of a journalist are you and all? But it's like, you know, y'all are my fucking friends, man. It's not like, like like I said, it's like the listeners and the people who've been on year after year. We've been doing this 12 years. You've been on the show like a million times. I love you, man. So thanks for doing it again. And, you know, this certainly isn't the last time we talk for uh, BOA or Radio Mysterioso. Definitely not. Same back at you. All right, brother. Have a good night, and uh, I will talk to you later. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim. Yeah. Bye bye. Right. All right, folks. That just about does it here. I think that's the end of the Banaliday season. I don't anticipate doing any other shows. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the only thing I can tell you is I would like to do more shows. <laughs> just not like next week. Um, but there's something about this 2020 thing that does kind of – I think I teased it on one of the last Banal of America episodes where I was like, yeah, I'll probably come back in, in 2020 and do a you know, BOA 2020. So uh, the idea of something, you know, BOA 2020 has been kind of in my head lately. So, uh, you know, but we had to get this year in review taken care of. And I'll probably take, you know, a few weeks if not months off and then roll something out. But – I enjoyed coming back early for uh, the Banaliday season. And as you can tell, I pushed it back to uh, Halloween instead of Thanksgiving. So, you know, who knows? Maybe I push it back to – I'm not even going to – I shouldn't tease anything that I'm not going to do. But, like, as an example, maybe I'll come back, like, on July 4th, and we'll just do, like, the second half of the year or some shit. Um, there's a chance that I'll do something like that. But – I've been enjoying doing the shows. Um, I've really enjoyed this holiday season, too, is getting the chance to talk to some new people. Um, Mark Sargent, Sarah Scholes, Anna Merlin, um, you know, because I hadn't really stretched my legs out like that in a while. It's been like over a year, I think, uh, or two years. So it was like the fall of 2017 when we were wrapping up in all of America I did like one little patch of new people which is when we had um, uh, Seth Breedlove and Ren Collier and a few other folks on uh, in season 10 but so that was I enjoyed quite a bit talking to new people um, so you know uh, it kind of little little small fire in me to want to do more shows so with that in mind I'm not announcing anything now that you won't be hearing from me for a while, but uh, there's a good chance that I'll be back, you know, when you least expect it. And uh, on that note, 
I hope uh, everybody has a fantastic 2020. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be hopefully a good year. Uh, I hope. I think it's going to be a crazy year. Um, And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, I I, I, I think maybe – I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't think like I've ever been as uncertain about a year, <laughs> about a year as I am this year. Maybe 2016. There's, a, there's an era of uncertainty um, surround, surrounding this whole year uh, that that I hope I hope gets resolved, resolved at some point because it's making me very anxious. Um, but that, that's that's kind of how I feel here as 2020 uh, starts. So on that note, uh, until next time, this is Tim and all. Thanking you for listening and signing off. Yeah.